boom. We're out here. And just like a red, white, and blue phoenix rising from the ashes of political bipartisanship, we are back to Salt of the Streets podcast. This is Saturday, April 17th, 1.33 p.m., episode 106. And welcome back, everybody, to the Salt of the Streets podcast, your one and only source for social and political commentary on all the weekly news, pop culture, and sports that you can handle. The best part about the whole deal, it's all built from the ground up for people like you and me, the everyday normal person. So come down and join us as we discuss life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness and continue our endless endeavor to bridge the gap between people and information. As always, we are your hosts. I am Colin. Hi, I'm Donovan. And coming up on this week's show, we've got a jam-packed show with... Full of geopolitical implications, my favorite thing to say. We are going to be talking about some of the stuff going on with Russia and Ukraine. We're going to be talking about the southern border and the continued crisis that uh, now seems to be exponentially worse than it was. And we're broadening the horizon. Over to even, just like two weeks, it was like... Yeah, it hasn't been that long since we talked last, about no, this. The last time we were here, you, you were, it was like an offhanded thing that you were mentioning. You were like, oh, hey, also, Ukraine just started its draft. Like, that's really weird. And that's now weird. we're like, oh, shit, more troops on the border than when they annexed Crimea? That's weird. That's weird. Naval ships coming in there. That's telling weird. telling the Americans not to send naval ships over there, and then us not doing that. So that's yeah. We'll get into some of that. Then we got some God. executive order stuff on I hate guns. This administration. It's just bad, man. Molly Harris is in charge, so it's going to be okay. It's all going to be okay. Did you hear her talk about going down to the southern border, or actually that she's not going to be? She's, she's not be going. going. She's going to be going. Further past she's that, so she doesn't city. have to see that. Yeah, yeah, yep. Yep. It's, I definitely have. I may or may not, but definitely do have some note cards about some questions that Jen Psaki was asked as to why Kamala Harris wasn't going to the southern border and her fucking show people that bullshit. fat stack you got there. Yeah, her bullshit justification as to oh the fat stack. This is yeah. This is this is today. This is today's this episode is right you. there. Yeah, this is all all us, baby. Boom. Yeah. Oh, so yeah, it's going to be fun. I'm not going to get trapped in this nihilistic poll like we did last episode. <laughs> Most episodes, by the time we finish, I feel good. I feel better about the shit show that is our American life. Yeah. Last week, I just, I felt like just down afterwards, you know? It was tough. Mind you, I did have a massive headache too. Well, and then we went and got those fucking rad steaks, so. And that made life way better. Yeah. Shout out to Crabtree. Woo! Yeah. Wonderful family-owned restaurant in our area called Crabtree, and I mean that's about the only place I know of that you can go get a a steakhouse quality level steak. It was fire. Where you don't have to pay a hundred dollars a piece for it. Yeah, you know you're paying like fifty to sixty, but still, these it are is great. Just so everyone knows, get a nice this is up on that some one. monks in discretion. I'll pull it up over here. Oh. I don't know where Look I'm pouring that. to. I'm just going to pour right here. Mm. The return of the monk's indiscretion. Yeah, so we haven't had these in, I mean, probably two years at least. I mean, I'm not going to lie. Um, I had to make sure that when I bought these that I taste tested them beforehand so I knew there wasn't poison. Yeah. So I drank a four-pack last week. Cheers. Cheers, buddy. It looks lighter than before. Mm. Oh. oh, man. That taste, okay, it's I can't individual. even say it's because my beer taste has grown so much since the last time that we had this. Oh, That's yeah. like so much better than I remember it being. Mm. I just remember it being so intense. 
like so intense you know so good it feels like okay so just so everybody knows this beer monks and discretion this is our beautiful it's a 10 percent beer right there there we go what are you you doing what are you doing to me 10 percent beer right there so this used to be made by a local brewery in Paulsbo called Sound Brewery, which made fucking great beers. Yep. And they great had Belgian, um, yeah, with Belgian inspired, inspired, yeah. Like their base malt yeah. was a Belgian malt, which was nobody else does it around here. Right. It's all just the plain two row. And they had a restaurant for a little while that sold some pretty good food. Um, and then they closed, and so they obviously. Stop selling beer because they stopped making beer. Yeah, they, they kind of but you the said, restaurant venture. I think uh, overextended them a little too much, and and then with everything with the pandemic came out, yeah. and that was like the think the final nail in their coffin. Serve at forty eight degrees Fahrenheit. Perfect. That's what this says. That's where we're at. Yeah, I promise. So, um, <laughs> now it's done by Echoes Brewing Company, which is on Viking. Okay, it's, so Word. it's the same. So you remember when they used to be down in the hole? Yes. Right. And then they bought, they expanded and bought the production facility on the other side of the road, up yes. top of the hill. Yes, yes. And then. With the orange cover. Yeah. And then when Campanas went under and that it sat vacant for a while, they bought that place and then got into that realm, got rid of their place down in the hole, sold it to another brewery that was local called Rainy Days, which is still right, there and still right. kicking ass with their beers. You need to go there, man. Yeah, it's a good spot. They have. They nice got, that tap room? Yeah. Yep. Right, right down there. Parking can be a little tough sometimes, but their beers are great. Mm-hmm. I'm doing a lot of canyon stuff too. But anyways, um, inevitably, sound went defunct because yeah. they just. I think it was a restaurant that probably between the restaurant and then the COVID on top. Right, that was just it. And well, and the restaurant was like just okay. Like it yeah. wasn't amazing. You know, it was pretty good. Was the thing like, so. But so at the end of the day, they had yeah. to lose their tap room because they had to close the main building. Right, and they still kept some production going up there for a while because i was still seeing sound bottles bottles you know out there but it was a limited selection it was like two or three different kinds maybe but i think what happened was i haven't got the full story i'm getting this like third hand from a coworker of mine who goes knows all the owners and stuff like this but i think know a guy who knows a guy yeah they they found essentially an investor to to start the company essentially to create a company that we call echoes brewing yeah, and the old owner and brewmaster stayed on as the brewmaster. Hence, he start he could make monks in discretion again. Big and fan. I'm a huge fan. It's great. I like the I like the new look on the cans. I like the fact that you can they don't just come in 22 ounce bottles anymore. The 16s are nice. The 16 is perfect. You get a nice full pint out of it, and that's that's all you really need when you're talking about 10 percent beer. Unless yeah. you're trying to have that kind of night. When you were like. Bro, twenty-two uh, of the of the monks in discretion is like will do you good. That's a commitment. I once drank just one time two twenty-twos. Yeah, me too. <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> and I that. was shit housed. Yep. That's that will do it. That's all it takes. It's it's just all the sugar and everything in there. It's yep. so intense, bro. It gets you really fucked up. It's a very rich beer. Yes, you know. Yeah. So as you guys, Colin showed it already, but yeah, the color on it is. I mean, it's magnificent. It's gorgeous. It's beautiful. In a, in a salt of the streets glass, right there. Oh, you yeah. See that? Laser etched. Beautiful. That's how we do things around here. Yeah. Speaking of which, we do have um, all shirt sizes in stock. Merch, merch, merch. Anybody who wants to purchase T-shirts, we can ship them out for $5. I can also deliver them to you. You can pick them up whenever you want. We can take custom orders. Those obviously take a little bit of time. i got to get the thing, and i got to get a piece in and then print it on there. But, um, yeah, I'm going to, like I said, I'm going to look at some tank tops. 
do some of that um, to see if we can get some SOS tank tops going because I think that will be the key. And if you're waiting for a piece of merch that we don't have, let us know what you're looking for. We'll find a way to make it for you. I'll find it, baby. If you if even we are have, nothing else, we are fabricators, bro. Yeah, if you have a thing that you already own that you want Assault of the Streets logo on, you can send it to me or bring it to me, and I will put Assault of the Streets logo on there for Definitely you. Definitely do that. Any of that. Whatever you want. Any of those things. I, I am... I really want patches, like embroidered patches. Yeah. And so I'm going to start calling to embroider companies. I've only, I've only looked a couple places online, and they've all been like, we can do it for, you know, $15 a patch. You can eat my dick. I buy them online for $7. Like, if I can buy a patch from somebody online for $7, there's no way they're yep. paying $15 for it. They're paying, like, $2 for it. So that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. So I I definitely know that I can get bulk Salt of the Streets patches because I Mm. want a fucking big patch on the back of my carrier that sells Salt of the Streets. That's what I want. Our color cream is perfect for your carrier. We're going to have to because somehow or other this has turned into a a partly two-way podcast um, over the years. And I don't hate that. And I think we should probably embrace that. That that portion of our our listenership slash viewership, and we yeah. should make a couple multicam style stickers and patches too really? with our logo. I bet you that would be dope. Our friend Jacob. That would way, at least wear one of those. Yeah, at least for the for the the tight crew, so we could throw it on our uh, yeah on our plate carriers. Yeah. So look out for that soon. I am very very interested in that. Very motivated towards it. So we will have embroidered patches. Very soon. Even if they only come in iron-on, I'll put yeah. them on Velcro at work. I'll make the Velcro part myself. If I can just get the the embroidered patch, yep. I, it doesn't even need to have adhesive on the back. Like I can beam us. I can do all that shit. I just need the patch. Yep. So, mm. I'm, exactly. i got to know a guy. That's what I'm saying. I'm going to ask Tim on Monday because I think that he's got to have – I know that there's he's a woman – I know there's a woman in the building that does embroidery but like mostly clothing and shit like that. Oh, you know, yeah. I don't know that she does patches. We'll see. We'll see what's up. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get some fucking patches because I want Salt of the Streets patches. Hard yes. Bad. God, that would be so cool. That's what I'm saying. Hmm. So this week, Goals. as Colin said, we've got a lot of big things going on. I'm going to give a quick shout-out to Swa Blended, Paul, for the haircut. Quick shout-out to Location Skate Shop, opening today down in downtown Burlington on 4th Street. Go down there, get yourself a new board, get some gear, get some merch, get all the things. Love it. Big fan of what they're doing. So We did it in the pre-show, but I want to show this picture again. There Because it is, it is just fire. Go down Man, look and at have Paul cut your hair. So yes. good. Yes. So good. When he was done, I was like laughing almost. I was like, bro, this goes hard as fuck. Like, it's like, this is some old school, like, I'm going to cut you in the street shit. I was like, this is like, Ooh, it's gangster. Yeah. It's very G. Yeah. So I'm a big fan. Big fan of that. Like 50s G. I told Paul that when we were making it big, I was like, I'm telling you, bro, one day I'm going to be flying you out all, all over the country because I need a haircut. I was like, we're going to be on a speaking tour at different colleges or some shit like that. Yeah. And I'm going to be like, I got to fly Paul out here like I'm looking yep. scraggly. It's like, that, that's what we're yeah. going to be at. Bro. It'll be a multi-month tour and, you know, we got to have two-week haircuts on, on the day, you know, on, on the two weeks. That hard part grows out quick, you know what I'm saying? Oh, bro. So. I trimmed up the beard a little bit this morning and. The first thing that always is the sign is the sideburns. Yeah. They get really long. Yes. And so there's that weird transition of like your hair sweeps back, but then you got this little long hair sticks down and then the beard. Yeah. And I finally found the right guard, I think, to make it look nice and, and blended right in there. There you go. It's but an God, art. I have so much gray hair now. I am not even, like, it's just exponential. Pretty soon I'm just going to be white everywhere. Are you going to start Which I don't hate. hair? Hard no. No, no I'm Good. fully on board with it now. Just embrace it. Yeah. It's a lot of dudes that dye their hair. No shade, either way. It's a Rudy Giuliani. Just whatever brand he's using, don't buy that kind. But I wouldn't. I'm not gonna. 
I'm not. I'm not trying to do I'm that. Not, I already got some. I have gray and red like in my eyebrows already, and like some yeah. gray on the sides of my head. It's, it's you know, this, you know. I mean, if it helps me not get carded a little bit more, you know, that's that's nice. I'll take. Rarely that. do I get carded places. Oh yeah. Even just the mustache. All the time. Like put it on a whole other level of like, I didn't really before, but yeah, once I had a mustache, it just doesn't. Unless the place like at the weed store, you at the rec store, they card you every time, you got know. Yeah. But yeah, no gas stations, none of that shit. It's just like, yeah, here you go. Man. There you go. <laughs> it's nice. It's it's. What does that say about me? Am I a baby face? I don't know. You know. Well, with the mask on, you know. Exactly. You can't see the beard. Yeah, wow. the bars is an easier sell with the mustache, but yeah, at a gas mm-hmm. station, you know, they'll generally. Oh, because yeah. I do still have young eyes for sure. Like, oh yes. Yeah. So. Yeah. You're gonna have young eyes till the day you die. Have this fucking huge zit. That's like not. I was it started yesterday, and I was just praying that it would be done before the show today. That's so funny. You're not the only person to have a, a, a special zit problem this week. It's horrible. Cause I feel lucky, man, because that doesn't really happen to me very often anymore. Yeah. But four or five years ago, all the time, there'd be like one every two weeks that you're like, mother. What and that's doing? why I'm like, I'm like, bro, I'm 26. Like, at what point, you know, does this finally start <laughs> to peter out? Like, when is this done? Like, fuck, bro. But I take like, I'm just, like, I take like maca root and stuff like that, you know. So the extra testosterone, like, that will definitely make you like. You got tea and maca root. Yeah, yeah. Well, it just it it just increases your testosterone production. So just the increased testosterone will do it. When I started working out with John, I started getting like back knee and stuff like that just from working out and from. You know, taking the maca root and shit. Well, it's, it's M-A... Maybe it is M-A-K-A. Maybe... Mm, We're just going to search. Yeah. There M-A-C-A. M-A-C-A. Yeah. Maca root. Yeah. 300 count for nineteen ninety five. Yeah, the on one I take has like a purple lid on it. We get it on Amazon too. Um, but yeah, it just, it just promotes... Um, the building of testosterone. Exactly. It's the wild harvest. No, it's not that one. <laughs> it's that one. The now. Yeah, that's it. Like it. Yeah, 500 milligrams. Yeah, so it... Just think about this for a second. Okay, so you got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. These are all different companies. Twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen different companies alone make a maca root supplement. Yeah. And I, that's just not even going down. So many supplement companies these days. Yes. That's wild. Yeah. So, and I started taking that when we were trying to have a kid. That's oh when yeah, I started yeah, yeah. Taking that, and I've just, I've just continued to take it ever since then. Doctor Rondra Patrick, it definitely that. helps with like that and the turmeric and stuff. I feel it definitely oh, yeah. helps with like recovery. You know, if you take like some root, it definitely helps with, with the recovery. When we were lifting fucking big weight, you know, I would take two or three root like the next day, just because it it just helps, <clears throat> helps you just get back quicker. You know, yeah, that's when you, good. When you lift up fucking four hundred pounds, you're like, okay, I gotta, I gotta, yeah, I gotta figure something. Body out. needs to recover here. Jordan's grandma. When we had this is. After this, we'll move on to the show. <laughs> Last summer when we had Jake out at the house to, like, look at doing a cement project out there, um, you know, we toyed around the idea, like, Jake and I could do it or they could have the company do it and blah, blah, blah. And Jordan's going, was like, no, like, I don't want you out here, you know, breaking up cement, like, bending over and, like, all this, you know, during the summer. Like, like I'm 25 years old. Like, I think that. But don't do like, it now. I'm not going to yeah, do it Not later. only <laughs> is Jake older than me, but, like, I think that I can handle it, you know. I was like, I, well, and I, it was the week after I had just, like, did that PR of, like, 385 deadlift with John. I was like, last week I deadlifted 385 pounds. She said, she said, and I watch how you walk the day afterwards. I said, I deadlifted 385 pounds, and of course I'm going to walk <laughs> shitty the next day. So, yeah, my leg fucking hurts. Like, I deadlifted on four pounds. Like, yes, of course, I'm going to walk weird the next day day like yeah oh my 
like she's a funny lady. God, that's Jordan's grandma is a very funny lady. I love Nancy. So. Oh yeah, never never ending stories coming from that. <laughs> never ending stories, yes. and they're all good stories. Yeah. Um, so, mm. so where this, do we want to start today? Let's talk about Dante Wright real quick. Okay. Okay. Yep. Um, because there's been there started to be some comparisons drawn between that and the George Floyd killing um, last year, partially because they happened in the same area, partially because Dante Wright died while Derek Chauvin is on trial. Yep. So there's been a lot of these comparisons drawn. So the kind of basic facts of the case there's as in D A U. Yeah, yeah, DUA. There you go. Um, so, this case, as with many, there was a lot of disinformation thrown out there, especially in the beginning hours of the case. Yeah. Um, this is just. If you to haven't cover... learned to not tweet after a fucking shooting <laughs> yeah. um, for at least 24 hours, I don't know. I don't think anybody can help you anymore. This is obvious and goes without saying, but I th- am going to do it anyway. Colin and I, obviously, Salt of the Streets does not condone the actions of the police officers. This is in no way in defense of them or in support of their actions. I'm about to tear them up, so you'll find now, out. Now, <laughs> yes, so it there at first was reports that Dante Wright was pulled over because of an air freshener in his rearview mirror. It appears now that he was pulled over because the registration was not valid on his vehicle. Mm-hmm. When, he was put o- when he was pulled over, it was found that he had a warrant, I believe, for a firearms charge. Yeah, um, he... He, yeah, it was like a. Uh, it was after a party. He stayed over at this person's house, and in the morning he got up and pulled a gun on the host and told her to give him his money. She didn't, and he took off. Aggravated assault charge, I think. For I think that's what the warrant was. So, this happened. The police officer is one of them. A woman I do not remember her name. Kim the, Kim Potter. Kim Potter. Um, a 26-year veteran of the police force. So begin to struggle with Dante Wright. He tries to get in the car, and Kim Potter is. They they played the the body cam footage like very shortly after it happened. The yeah, police it was department came out just very quickly. They said in an effort to just try and be as transparent as possible, you can hear Kim Potter say "Taser, Taser, Taser." She then will sh- she draws her firearm, says "Taser, Taser, Taser," and then discharges one one bullet from her firearm. Dante Wright gets back in the car, drives several blocks, and then dies. Um, so, there's obviously been extremely controversial. Obviously, yeah. right? I have heard some horrific takes from individuals and also from ABC people that mm-hmm. are, you know, saying that it was on purpose and that, you know, there's no way that it was an accident. Um, as Okay, so let's, let's start there, right? Yep. Because after it happened, the police chief of its Boston City or Boston Center Boston police. Center. Yeah, Boston Center. Uh, Brooklyn Center. Brooklyn um, Center, there we go. Sorry, and Minnesota. Yeah, it, okay. What's going fuck, on in Minnesota? Fuck anybody who names your city for another state or city. Like, you're an asshole. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> so... So the shooting happens. There's the press conference. The police chief shows the video, then says that Dante Wright, because of, Dante Wright died because of an accidental discharge from Kim Potter's firearm. So that was like the first thing that I heard of this was that they say that he died from an accidental discharge. Excuse oh me. Oh my god, I... you're not wrong, by the way. City of Brooklyn Center. Oh, contrary to popular belief, it's not oh, okay. named after the city, but it is. Pre- uh, it's the same the, name. The Railway Village of Brooklyn, Michigan. It's the same name, and that's really my point. Oh my god, these people. Come up with a new name. 
Come on, just pioneers. come up with a new name. There's right? no Oklahoma City. Like that's dumb. There's it, all this stupid. It's it, it's stupid. It's Oklahoma so, City and Oklahoma or Kansas. City. You know what I'm saying? Like all, Kansas yeah, City, Kansas. All this shit. It's What's stupid. What's going on? Anyway, so Sorry. anyway, Kim Potter. <clears throat> yes. Yeah, so Kim Potter. Uh, Kim Potter. Shoes Dante Wright. He dies. The police chief says that Kim Potter accidentally discharged her firearm. That was the first thing that we heard. Yep. So that's for me. This is where this starts and stops, mm-hmm. right? For me personally, this is not on a racial level. There's not anything else for me. And as we said in the pre-show, in the tail end of the pre-show, in 99% of cases, an accidental discharge does not exist. It is a negligent discharge. If you are following through with the four basic principles of safe firearms handling, if you are doing all of these things, if you, then no one should die. Yep. No one should get hurt. That's, that's exactly why they're designed that way. That's why they're as simple as they are because they are easy for someone as young as fucking six years old to learn and be able to operate clearly, right? So this said, obviously, I don't believe that. I tweeted immediately, accidental discharge doesn't exist. It's a negligent discharge. You yep. are negligent with your firearm. You are negligent with the safe handling of your firearm, and somebody just died, Yep. right? So that's where it starts to stop for me. You negligently took someone's life. That's manslaughter. In one of these degrees, that's manslaughter. Second degree manslaughter. There were immediate calls, you know, for murder charges for all of these things. You run into this issue the same that we are running, that we're running into with Derek Chauvin. Mm-hmm. Murder, while it sounds great, right? Legally, murder is different than manslaughter, and that's why they are separate charges. If you're going to try to charge them with murder, you're talking about implying intent to somebody's actions and you have to be able to to prove that intent for them to be found guilty of murder and if you can't prove that this person maliciously took someone's life or intended to take that person's life it's not murder you yeah. know what i'm saying and that's in a very basic sense i'm not a lawyer these are very basic terms it also varies slightly state to state it's all it's different right these are the basic mm-hmm. ideas behind murder and manslaughter. one of the basic ideas behind the difference between the two yeah. so she was obviously charged with manslaughter like immediately afterwards. She resigned from the police force just two days afterwards. I think yeah. she was put on administrative leave and then resigned and then charged with manslaughter. In yeah, this and she has since uh, been arrested. Yes. And I um, think she's had her first court date. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, it's rather open and shut case, to be yeah. perfectly honest, in this particular case. Yes, this type of this has happened before. Um, ben Shapiro brought up a case from a couple of years ago in which that police officer was found guilty of second-degree manslaughter because they, you fucking killed somebody. That's, yep. that's what you did. You took somebody's life. Whether you meant to or not, you shot somebody, yep. right? So as this happened, I'm then talking to Jordan, right, of, of just like the takes on it and, you know, negligent discharge, excellent discharge, all the stuff. And I said, so not only do I not buy this, right, I said, because that's bullshit, it was negligent. I said, this also says to me that you are not training in your belt anywhere near as often as you should, especially right. Twenty six year veteran. Twenty six years on the force. So it's not she's training somebody else. It's not like the training officer accidentally pulled his gun and shot somebody. The veteran officer is the one that discharged her firearm negligently, yep. right? So, so it also bothers me, as in pretty much all of these cases, it was blatant, blatantly obvious the severe lack of training that is happening here yeah she it's it, it should be absolute base instinct for you to know exactly where to go for whatever you're going yep. for if it's your fucking job to do that every day yep that should be first instinct that's first instinct dog like i just don't you know what i'm saying oh yeah and if you had the type of training 
that say somebody like Jocko is talking about trying to implement into police forces where like what what was the ratio it was like 20 percent of your week should be spent in training or something like yeah that, you know it's like yeah a hundred percent if yeah. you are trained to operate within purely stressful environments and you have the ability to apply lethal force in a multitude of ways you should be training two out of five days a week like you should right. spend two days in training three days out in the field or something like that you know what i mean it's like i don't know what the ratio is but well, obviously the training that they're receiving now is a 100% insufficient. Well, and even outside of that, there's training that you can do that other police officers do. You can find videos. If you look up Millspec Mojo on Instagram, he's a police officer in the Seattle area that's like an insanely good shooter. And he has posted videos of and stuff of him like getting ready in the morning. And so he's putting on his duty belt and stuff and he's, he's, he's dry firing. Like he's drawing from his from his uh, his holster, his duty holster, and he's dry firing. Like he's doing all of this shit. There's no reason, as a police officer, you're not taking time out of your day. Wear your belt for ten extra minutes when you get home, or ten extra minutes before you leave to go to work. Do some fucking dry fire. Dry dry pull everything. Draw everything. Figure out how to do all of these things. Why are you not running through reloads? You can you can find thousands of videos and pictures of people just like myself online practicing in their full kit every single day in the extremely minuscule chance that the government decides to crack down and send the armed forces in and take everybody's shit right you know what i'm saying like and they, and they have a profession where they're the the opportunity that might arise where they would have to do that to reach for their weapon it's going to be exponentially greater than yeah ours and if they're if we are doing more training than them that's a serious problem. I'd, serious problem. I dry fire at least once a week, at least, which is nowhere near as it should be. You know what I I'm am saying? loving this guy's Instagram, and by the way. Millspec Mojo's great. Millspec Mojo is awesome. I'm a big fan. So, he's a Seattle cop? Yeah, around Seattle. I don't think Somewhere that he says exactly around. what his department is. Probably a good um, call. Yes. <clears throat> but, yeah, he's, he's a police officer in the Seattle area. Um, so, I, I just don't. Like I said, I dry fire at least once a week. I carry a pistol for personal defense on a daily basis. That's not my job. It's mm -hmm. something I do to protect myself. If, so the likelihood that a police officer is to discharge their firearm is exponentially higher than the likelihood that I'm going to discharge my firearm. Yep. Why am I doing more dry fire than a police officer? Mm -hmm. For what reason? Why? It was always the same thing I had Why? a problem with in the Coast Guard. When you only have a range date once a year. Right. And that's just to requalify. There's something wrong with that altogether because, you know, going once a year to a range to make sure you can still shoot straight does not display proficiency in weapons handling. No. Not even slightly. I mean, it just shows that you know how it still works, which is terrifying when you think about it. But, yeah. Because um, there's – so there's – did you have anything else to really add right away? Uh, no. I, I want to just throw a take on there. Yep. Because I watched the video multiple times. Yeah. Um. Just been to, shown all over the place. Yeah. This one's very short. This one know, is so very it's short. Like easy to spread. Yes. And so, first of all, the main problem I had at the beginning, right, is not only does she draw her weapon while her partner is in her God. line of fire, but then muzzles him multiple times. Yeah. He, it is literally, it is a fluke that she shot the perp in this case instead of her partner right how that happened i don't know one and of the i'm sorry go ahead i was it's just it's 
it illustrates right there that you got a 26-year-old veteran on the force that should not be there. Yeah. Period. Full stop. None of that should have happened because she shouldn't have been there. There was problems with, like, the placement of the perp and where they were right next to their driver's side door when they should have relocated Open and moved them. Side door, yeah. And who knows? I'm not going to get into all the nitty-gritty details of how department cops. policy works and all this, but, like, you want to talk about common-sense solutions. Yeah. There's one. But, you know, again, there's only so much you could do about this. And then once the – when the police chief had come out and made the statement about it and used the term accidental discharge, Dumb. I about lost my shit. And thankfully, he resigned as well. Yeah. The same day, I believe, that Kim Potter resigned. I can't believe that he would say that. Because, I could not believe that yeah. he would say that. And I, I'm good because you obviously don't belong in that job. Yeah. Because you don't understand how a firearm works. Right. An accidental discharge is like – it most commonly happens in like – machine guns in the military and not so much anymore because we have better technology but like when you'd have a, a hot barrel yeah right rounds it, cook off it, they would cook off and boom so you have an accidental discharge which doesn't involve someone pulling the trigger right right something mechanically fails and a and it a round is discharged through the weapon sometimes it's a firing pin failure and sometimes right. it's a heat thing or or whatever but yeah you're talking like you know, we use like 99%. It's probably like 99.99999, like right. all the way down there. Right. One of the basic tenets there, like we talked about, there are four basic rules of like safe firearm handling. And one of them is make sure that the firearm is always pointed in a safe direction. So that's when Colin is talking about muzzling people, right? He's saying that mm. this is for anybody who doesn't, who's not into firearms, also clear, just so everybody knows. That's like you're pointing the muzzle of the gun at somebody. She was muzzling her partner. She had her firearm in front of her, and then he's passing in front of her. And she's fucking pointing the gun at him, which is extremely dangerous, especially because you know that she has a finger on the trigger. Yep. You know, you know that she's got a finger on the trigger, which is, again, questionable in and of itself. That's, mm-hmm. but it. And what got me even more right is after this happened, because the situation is rather cut and dry. She's going to jail. Period. Oh uh, fuck! There's yeah. no way she can get out of that. Oh fuck yeah, but negligent up up to yin yang. That's it's basically like I said before, open and shut case on this right. case. And the civil side might be different because the the family and all this is going to be entitled to compensations of some oh, kind. Oh fuck yeah! And you know, th- wh- I don't know how it works with the the city of Brooklyn Center or whatever it is, or because we saw the Minneapolis paying out the George Floyd family and stuff before the trial started, all that. But you know, there will be a civil case at at some point. But she'll probably be in jail during those proceedings. Yeah. Um. Oh, what was the point I was going to make? Crap, I lost it. Bad policing, training, muzzling. It's okay, I'll go here and I'm there you go. Got it. Um the after this all happened, all the articles started to pour out, this that and the other yes. thing. Yeah. Asking the question, how could someone mistake a taser for a pistol? Yeah. And then they, they try to break down all the different shapes and sizes and weight differences and blah 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 and well tasers look too much like guns and I'm going, Okay. You guys are having the wrong conversation. This is a ill-informed, dangerous conversation that is not going to solve anything. Yeah. Anyone that yeah, – tasers, depending on what type of taser it is, should look relatively similar to a Going to be the most pistol, effective right? because like, that is platform. The, yeah, it's the most ergonomical design to yeah. u- use that tool effectively. And for people to learn on it who are already using firearms. Yeah. It's, it's easier. Because it's, it's the same kind of point-and-click interface, if yeah. you will, right? Similar manual of arms, if you will. Yes, yeah. 100%. The nomenclature is going to be very, very similar. Yeah. <laughs> but 
that just shows to me the ignorance behind these people that are writing these stories is anyone with two eyes can tell you what the difference is between a taser and a pistol. Any quote unquote trained police officer yeah. knows instinctually where should know instinctually where their various weapons are, where their various tools are in their tool belt. Right. In this case we're probably in a very literal term. Well, especially because I believe in I'm going to say the vast majority of police departments, it is like policy for you to have your taser on your opposite hip, your non-dominant hip, and your pistol on your dominant mm-hmm. hip. Like, that's the standard setup for a police duty belt Would for make those sense. two things, you know? And it's either that or, you know, I've heard of situations where, and I think these are, you know, private folks that might carry around one or the other, but you'll have one, you know, your pistol high, yeah, and then the other one's more along your... Th- your thigh exactly. so it involves a reach down or you know whatever it is but it's a different physical motion so it, you don't mistake yeah. the two but it literally doesn't matter right because as someone that is carrying those specific weapons don't care where you put them yeah. you need to know where they are and this was just it's a tragic case somebody that died that didn't have to die shouldn't have died especially by the hands of the state for, yeah. for negligence, which we see just so much more of these days. But it's not a gun conversation. It's not a police racism situation. It's, right. It's like all these different situations thrown together with a lot of things that aren't, people aren't contributing to the problem. And it just, I mean, it, it's the same type of shit that we're dealing with on every one of these officer-involved shootings. Yeah. The officer that killed that 16-year-old kid uh, with the airsoft gun. Yeah. Didn't see that one floating around for obvious reasons because he's a little white kid, but he had an airsoft gun and, you know, went to go, you know, put his hands up or whatever, and the guy thought he had a gun and killed him. Like, that's wrong, too. Like, all of these things are wrong. We right. saw, We saw the, the most recent one, which I haven't died into lately, was the 13-year-old kid. In Chicago. In Chicago. Yeah. That, I, I watched the video of that as much as you can anyways because they cut out a portion of it. But, you know, saw that going around yesterday, and that was... God, and then we got the FedEx shooting. And, and I think that geez. the point the point of this, right, mm-hmm. is one of the things that frustrated me the most, like you said, the coverage from from most mainstream media. Yeah. Right? That, Irresponsible at best. That this is the easiest sell possible for an example of police poor, poor police training. Yep. This is the easiest, the most cut and dry example as it could be. And you absolutely ruin that conversation from people – you exclude people from that conversation that would be on your side when you begin to try and make this about race. On the 14th, right, ABC start here. Mm-hmm. In the description for their podcast, they were, ta- they were talking about this. They literally said that Kim Potter accidentally shot Dante Wright. Literally put it in quotations. They put the word accidentally in quotations. So what you're saying as ABC News, you're implying... That she did it on purpose. Yep. She she purposefully shot this kid. That's what you're saying. As a news agency, as fucking ABC, you're saying that she accidentally shot Dante Wright. Beautiful. That definitely helps, right? It definitely contributes to this getting better. Because yep. how many people of a libertarian, anarchist, fuck the state mindset do you have on board with, oh, the cops are negligent? No shit. Fuck the cops. Fuck the cops. Done with them. And how many of them 
how many of them do you immediately exclude by making this about race? Yeah. Like, oh, well, they did it because he's black. Yep. And they're like, uh, no, they did it because they're cops and they're fucking stupid and they shouldn't have these jobs. Yes. Right? <laughs> it's so, the, pro- it, the point being is that it pulls away from the substantive conversation that yeah. needs, that is well beyond needing to be have happened. Right. And, we need and to talk the... about these things and find solutions and just blaming them on the ghosts of racism air is not going to st- you know driving while black. Like these are the things that are mm-hmm. out there. And again, in, in no way does a, an expired, uh, f- registration or even a firearms charge say that you should be killed by the police in no way does that justify these things but it also doesn't say that he was pulled over because he was black and he was shot because he was black that's not what happened that isn't objectively that is not what's that's not what happened yeah like that's at this point in time that is not an accurate representation of the facts of the case as we understand it this particular case especially do you know what i'm saying like so to to bring it to that absolutely takes away from the progress that yeah. could be made with this very instance of police brutality and police homicide. Did like you get a look at Kim Potter's partner? He's black, right? Yes. So. So like instantly. Yeah. You should be able to, you know, you know anybody with two eyes can say that's probably not the case. Right. But it's not going to stop these people from going with the narrative no. and pulling away from the true conversation. Because the really hard fact about this is when you think about all the problems that we've had over the last couple of years, three, four, five years, you know, this stemming back to whenever you want to put a date on it, you know, the the problems with police and the, the defunding of police, the calls for defunding police and abolishing yeah. police and all that, in all actuality, and I don't want to say this as a blanket statement, but we'll just, in general, in all actuality, you should probably be calling f- to give the police departments substantially more money. Yeah. So that we can, they can actually this afford to more. say hire more police officers to offset the 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 other officers that would be normally walking the beat, which are now spending two days in the classroom and on the mats grappling and doing firearms training and all these crazy drills, situational awareness drills, all this stuff. Right. Yeah. You need more, but at the same time. You might also, oh, look at that. Jordan says, your guys' production has gotten so quality. Love the screen and screen. Nice. Um, I appreciate that. Thank you. Um, The point being, um, I think we should also take a look at, you know, we've talked about the militarization of police departments. Yeah. Right? How much of that money could have been used in a better way instead of, buying, you know, armored APCs and decommissioned military gear and all this stuff, if they were to bankroll that into more officers and more training, good training, that, you know, that would be working towards a solution. But at this point, I don't, I don't have, I don't hear anybody talking about it. I just hear money, training, no. money, training, money, training, which is not wrong, but Shout Larry out. the tax guy. Shout out, Larry. We love you. We do. Yeah, so another hit on ABC real quick. On the 15th, the day after they said that she accidentally shot Dante Wright, um, they were breaking this down more. And they, so I want to explore something with you, and then I want to just punch ABC one more time. Let me get my exploration hat. They're then breaking down, you know, what happened in the video and everything. And then they're talking about the part where Kim Potter says, oh, shit, I shot him. Yeah. Right? So they said, and then she says, oh, shit, I shot him, as if she were surprised. I'm sorry. It seemed like she's pretty fucking surprised to me. Again, 
not an accident, negligence. Yep. Obviously surprised by her by her own negligence. Obviously surprised by her own actions. Right. Again, just trying to continue to push that wheel of this being on purpose, mm-hmm. which doesn't. Not only does it not. Yes. Not only does it not help with making this situation on a police level better. It immediately and directly feeds into the chaos, the protests that spin into riots, the looting that happened, all this shit. It immediately directly feeds right into that. Oh, yeah. The very day that this happened, Feed like I said, there are people calling for murder charges. There are people saying, oh, she did it on purpose. This is, you know, this is the state. This is the police officers. They hate black people. They hate all this shit. Jother, another example of our country's systemic racism Just at work. One more. One right? more. Add it to the list. As All this say. does, and I'm not here to fucking, you know, sit on a soapbox yeah. about, like, riots and protests and blah, blah, blah. I don't care if you protest. I don't care what the fuck you have to say. When you start te- stealing other people's shit, you're not protesting anymore. You're rioting, you're looting shit. That's what you're doing. That's not That's not subjective. That's not, yep. I don't like this cause. I don't care. I don't care why you're out. If that's not my thing. If like you're the... breaking into stores and yep. stealing people's shit, you're looting. That's what you're doing. That's, yep. That is it. That is Cut riotous behavior. That is riotous behavior. Again, do I really care that you're doing it? No. But let's fucking call it what it is. Let's yeah. call a spade a spade if we're going to have an honest conversation about what's happening here. Because right? it comes down to fundamental truth. Does, did the Little Caesars do this? Did the Little Caesars that was broken into and looted in, in Brooklyn City or in Brooklyn Center, did that did that play a hand in this? Is this... It's a. It that's is. that's helping you get your reparations yep. by stealing shit from a fucking Little Caesars? That's it, right? <laughs> I know... I can't. And like I said, I don't... Little Caesars is a capitalist institution, which by <laughs> nature right. of being right. capitalist is a result of you know, blah, 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 you know, intersectional wokeism. Can I don't... I don't care. I'm not... I'm not personally upset that you're looting of Little Caesars. I don't give a shit. It does not... I don't care. The former, the former owner might have something to say about I'm, that. Certainly they do. But he's dead but it, already. But it doesn't... Doesn't help your cause to, nope. to have anybody stealing shit, whether they're people that are directly associated with you or not. Mm-hmm. People that were there with you then start stealing shit. Certainly doesn't help your cause, right? Nope. And it doesn't help your cause at all to not be honest about it and be like, fuck those people that are stealing shit. That's not why we're here. This is what we're doing. Nope. If you're just saying that's not what happened, that's and, a great way to progress an honest conversation, to just completely deny yep. and try and gaslight people that are seeing video yep. evidence of what happened the night before. Yep. That's a great way. The second most aggrieved party to this, because obviously the first most aggrieved party is Dwayne Wright, who had his life taken away Absolutely. from him, right? The second most aggrieved party was his mom when he came out, when she came out, and and on television said, you know, stop this. Don't violently, you know, react to this. Quit yeah. looting. Quit rioting. This is not going to help bring my son back all it does is besmirch blah 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 it's it's bad and, and you got that direct yeah. his his mother coming out and saying please don't do this it always falls on deaf ears yeah. always falls on deaf ears and she she has the most right of somebody to be the most pissed off oh, at yeah. the state and she i mean mind you they're so lost in in sorrow and grief at that point i don't know how they can even function these people, they can get on the camera like the day after, and there's a media storm and all that, and they can they can actually, when you think about what happened, they can actually get through like a semi coherent statement that's on insane. camera. Is just I've, how do you how does a person do that? I that that's wild to me. Last week, and I'm not comparing these conversations. If anything, I'm contrasting them. Right? Yes. When we went to the waterfront last week and we had Dax running around, Jordan and I were like, 
positing the idea of not like wait what if he got stolen you know but like like oh have you ever been with him and like for a split second like you can't find him like you lose sight of him. And we're talking about how scary that is you know instant panic and, attack. and i haven't and so i was trying to think of it and i was like no like i can't i don't even know what i would do like i'm such a got such a nihilistic mind that i immediately would be like he's fucking dead someone stole him and he's dead like it's it's fucking done you know and so i can't imagine such a parent that i would be in a place to have a coherent conversation after my son's life was actually taken from yeah so so the strength of any of these parents to be able to say anything to anybody let alone call for actual justice and non-violence is more strength than i think i could probably muster at this point in time so um it boggles my mind when those when they because the media says vultures about it you know it's horrible they're right they've been camping outside her house waiting for her to walk out oh yeah it's so disgusting to watch but then you see that and you're like god the strength of that person just to be able to come out and get through that moment is insane so this is what I want to explore with you. Yes. Right? On the 15th in ABC, because this happened in Brooklyn Center, which is it's, it's, in, Minne- it's in Minneapolis, or it's in Minnesota, um, which is near Minneapolis. Like, I believe that one of the things here. that came out was that Dante, one of Dante Wright's teachers was actually George Floyd's girlfriend at one point in time. Or something like, like that, yeah. So there's, there's connection just like, and that's not to say that these two people are like, oh, you know, they're connected. Like, it's a fucking, but that they're so close. That you know what I'm saying, that there is able to be a there we go an overlap of social circles. So, so suburb of Minneapolis for sure. It's right on the outskirts. Exactly. So I love being able to do that. I feel ABC like called the Dante Wright and George Floyd. They call them twin killings, right? Partially because it sounds really good because of the yeah. Twin Cities in Minnesota. Oh, my God. R- right. Okay. So, partially that's why they did it. I What's see that part. terrible of okay. executive came up with that. Total piece of shit. But yeah. this is why I want to explore this with you, right? Because at first, it's like, that's fucking preposterous, right? Fucking preposterous. Yes. Thought about that most of the day that day because it was so ludicrous to me, right? Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, I felt slightly differently about it, right? Okay. The one way in which I... I'm not going to say the one way, but the way that I can see how these could be, you could start to call them twin killings or how they could be similar, right? Is that for me personally, they boil down to police negligence. Yes. Right? And so I can understand that to a certain point. I also want to take this opportunity to remind everybody to give us a like on this video, share this video with everybody that you know so they can be here, join us live in this conversation. If you're listening to this afterwards, give us a like, a comment, again, share it so that everyone knows that we're here. If you're listening to this as a podcast form, give us a rating and a review. Share with your friends. Again, if you leave us, if you take a screenshot of the review and send it to us, we will give you, uh, I think it's like $5 off a t-shirt or something like that. Or whatever it says there. It's all there. We'll give us a, up. Yeah. Something. Um, if you like these takes that we're giving out here, you can find these videos and all these things. Our personal takes on our personal social media. I am at Salt of the Street on Twitter and at Alpaca underscore Donovan on Instagram. Colin is at Big Bird Offie on both those things. You can find all of this on saltofthestreets.com along with our Salt of the Streets Instagram at Salt of the Streets, our Facebook at Salt of the Streets, fuck Facebook. And I believe that's it. At the end of every episode, there is a closing line. If you can tell me what source that closing line came from, I will send you a free t-shirt signed by both of us here and our wives or whatever you want. We'll put paw prints on it, whatever you want. Whatever you want. Tell me, where the, tell me where the closing line came from, the t-shirt's yours, in whatever fashion you want it. With that, twin killings, right? Yes. So, police negligence, right? All the George, the Derek Chauvin 
trial is going on, a lot of information coming out, a lot of information about, uh, the, you know, the amount of substances in George Floyd's system, you know, the, the insane amount of fentanyl, all these things, right? For me personally, I'm not a lawyer. I'm not a cop. I'm not anything. We talked about this a little bit, maybe like a month ago. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because we haven't really touched on the trial because to really so, be in touch with the trial, you got to be watching it every single day. I'm not watching it. Yeah. I don't have, I don't. We would have to be got doing jobs, podcasts bro. just on that. Yes. That's what we were going to do. And so we're not able to cover other topics and cover the trial yep. in the way that it needs to be covered. And so um, that's just... We're doing our due diligence yeah, by yeah. not covering it. We're not... Yeah, exactly. We don't want to cover it in a minimalistic fashion because it's such an immense thing. There yep. are many other places you can go to find better coverage of the trial. But we have seen toxicity reports, the insane amount of fentanyl, like three times or whatever that it takes to kill a normal person. Yeah. Personally, I posit... I don't give a shit about that because he was alive at the time. He had that much drugs in his system. He's alive at the time. There seems to be reports that he took some pills right before, like maybe to try to take some pills while he was in the police car. Yeah. And so I can see they found at the a, time there. a half crushed speedball in the police yeah. cruiser six to seven months after the Which, situation had come out. It's how the how the fuck does that even happen? So neither yeah. here nor there, right? For me personally. It boils down to police negligence. I don't know whether or not George Floyd would have died if he had not had someone's knee on his neck. I personally feel because of the drugs in his system, the knee on his neck inflamed the already existing conditions there that led to his death. I don't think that one may have happened without the other. I think they absolutely played a role, but that it is, for me personally, entirely possible that without the negligent police actions of Derek Chauvin, George Floyd may be alive, from my personal opinion. So... That's kind of where I want to explore this, right? In yeah. in the to the extent that these are twin killings, right? That for me, the one thing that I could give was the negligence side. That these are both killings of of people, senseless killings of people because of police negligence. So where do you sit with this idea of twin killings in comparison mm-hmm. between Dante Wright and George Floyd? Because I think so. Basically, I think we've more or less established at this point that on a a shot for shot, a frame for frame take, these things are apples and oranges, right? right. So you have to pull back to the 50,000 level view, the 10,000 yes. level view. And I think police negligence is probably the first correlation that you would come back to where it makes sense for it to, to right. relate to each other. Um, you know, because other than that, you got to go back further to say, okay, well, these are killings sponsored by the state. But other than that, I don't know how much finer you can get other than police negligence. Yeah. I really don't. Because of all the different factors, you know, like in the Derek Chauvin case, you know, you're talking like if if things didn't escalate at the point, if they didn't take him out of the car, if they would have left him in the car and drove off, he could have stood a much more substantial chance of being alive. If they would have recognized that this proce- this person is probably in the process of ODing. And just went with paramedics and stereot and don't take in a you know an authoritative arresting stance on that one. Yeah, the circumstances might have been different there. I mean, it, there are likely there's many a lot of different that things that could have saved George Floyd's life. Yes, and we're not gonna you know place blame on one place or the other. Like I said, I think it's it's very much an overlapping thing, but it's yeah. not. But but yeah, no, I think as far as the determining the correlation between the two the the tightest correlation you could find it probably starts at negligence with yeah. the with the state at that point yeah the, their officers I, I think that's a good take on it because you know the the kim potter case negligent homicide 100 percent yeah um derek chauvin case we may or may not get that determination um did you see how close on friday we or thursday how close we got 
to a mistrial? Did you hear about that at all? No. Oh my God. There was a. So this is just going to be anecdotal, because I think I'm like as far as our exploration goes into that topic, I'm right there with you. I think that's the closest you can get is negligence. Yeah. Right. Um, and that's that's all that I had. To yeah. Like, so. And this thing that happened on Thursday, it was uh, the defense has been pleading their case for a portion of this week after the prosecution had rested their case. And there was a last-minute piece of evidence that they, the prosecution wanted to um, bring into the case. And the judge basically said, no, you had all this time to do all this stuff. The defense hasn't had time to look at it and come up with arguments and blah, blah, blah. It's like, that's not going to happen. Yeah. But their last material witness that was supposed to come in um, had knowledge of this particular piece of evidence. And in this case, we're talking about the the blood print, the what's it called? The gas blood panel of George Floyd at the time to try to say that because where he was put at was so close to the exhaust of the car that maybe he also had some carbon monoxide poisoning that contributed to his death. That's very interesting. It's very interesting, and one begs the question: Why didn't anybody come up with this idea beforehand? But <laughs> but anyways, what had happened was the. Sorry, that's you know, not there funny. was a bunch of like little sidebars and stuff like this when it all happened. If you really want to know the nitty gritty to all this stuff, you need to search out um, Legal Insurrection is a group that has been following this thing. There are, I don't know who it all makes up of, but they're all legal minds that have been essentially delivering a play-by-play action of everything that's happened in the in the in the trial. And so they they talk about this the sidebar they take and the judge talking to the prosecutor and the defense and the, and, the, and the witness saying, this is not something that we can bring into this trial at this point. If I even hint that your witness is going to go there, I will tell you right now, I'm going to declare a mistrial. Right? Okay, cool. Got it. Understood. Witness goes up and proceeds to do exactly the God thing that they it. talked about not to do. And they had to pause. They took a recess. And the judge is like, what the shit? He, it, was, it was bad. So they paused. They took a recess. They had some conversations. Um, and then after they came back, they essentially, um, because the, you know, the defense objected, because this, I think, was on cross-examination of the witness. So the prosecutor is getting a chance to cross-examine. And basically it came down to, okay, you need to rephrase your answer. You need to rephrase the question. You need to rephrase the answer. Go. And so at that point, they turned it around, and instead of talking about the possibility of carbon monoxide poisoning, they talked about the a, a person's blood results on that particular test, noting the amount of oxygen that was in the blood because carbon dioxide or monoxide displaces oxygen. And so if George Floyd had an oxygen level in his blood of 98%, I think as we all know from COVID and checking our, our blood oxygen levels and stuff like that, that's pretty good. Right. So you can obviously rule out at that point carbon monoxide poisoning. But we were this close to a mistrial, and he even hit the thing that was specifically said not to say, and they backtrack on it right before they broke for the long weekend. That would have been really bad. And yeah, that would have been, been really, 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 bad. really bad. If the judge would have called the mistrial, it would have been really really bad yeah we'd be seeing a whole different level of violence right now the jury selection itself took like 10 days yes like it took a long time, long time. which is not like that's not unheard of but that's still a long especially time for a high for, level case yeah it's not unheard of but it's still a long time for a jury selection that's yeah that's not so good. yeah that was that was really close yeah that's really not good and uh but yeah as of right now just a quick update on where the chauvin trial sits they are on break for the long weekend and they are going to be coming back on monday 
to do closing statements and then the jury will be sequestered for deliberation. So we may have a an answer as close to next week. But basically, I've been peripherally following this thing just yeah. through because Tim Poole on, on the IRL podcast and even in his regular main Timcast has been more or less reporting on it just about every day, kind of some new updates and stuff. That's the that's the depth of my following on it. But yeah. we will see what happens. I have a feeling that no matter which way it goes, violence will ensue. Not good. And not good. Yeah. It's not good at all. It's not good at all. But yeah. Yeah. A lot of a lot of police negligence at this point. I think all of this stuff, if you can remove the critical theory bullshit out of it, and everybody can take a step back, I think everyone with great assurance can say that we have some kind of fundamental problem in our police force and how we do policing. How we fix that? I mean, I think me and you have thoughts on training and stuff like this, which involves money. But the problem is nobody's actually having that conversation. It's it's like a light switch on or off yeah. conversation at this point. Rashida Tlaib came out after, I think it was the, what was the guy's name, the 13-year-old kid? I think it was after that she came out and was like, we need to abolish all policing. And I was like, whoa, that's a, even Bernie Sanders came out and was like, no, that's not quite the answer. But that's where we're getting, man. We're getting more and more to these days. It's a zero-sum politics game. I'm Our not way even, or the highway. Yeah. It's oh, that's bad. a big conversation. I just don't see how that's the answer. I it's go, definitely I'm not, not even, you know, you know me. I'm not a big. I don't like the authority. I'm not a big cop guy, you I know. I don't like the authority so, when they yeah, have weapons the, and licenses to kill. Yeah. Yeah, it's no good. That needs to be fixed, 100%. We're an enlightened society for the most part. I think we could figure it out if we really wanted to. I think we've just proven to ourselves we don't want to because people's, for whatever reason. But Whatever know. you guys think about this, let us know. Obviously, reach out to us on here in the comments. Uh, like the video. Slide reach out to us there. personally. Yeah, whatever you want. Comment on this video. Definitely if you're watching this video. thing, post the live stream because we do the live stream so that people can come hang out. But it's also a beautiful Sunday and we're getting into summer. So I'm not going to begrudge you for not hanging inside on a Saturday afternoon while we do this thing. Yes. But if you're listening to this and you're watching it, get in the comments, leave the, the ratings and the reviews, share it with all your friends. That's, that's what we need to do. That's all. That's all we're asking. Really just a little click, click done. That's all we want, baby. Hook us up. Plus if we got enough people to do that and we were able to actually start making a living doing this, we could do this every day for you guys. We could we could be live streaming the Chauvin trial and running commentary over top of it. If that's what you want in the future, bring. all we need is your help to get us there. So anyways, no more cop talk. Nope, that's but it. But let's talk about guns now. Deal, deal. Executive, executive order time. Yes. Do you have what day it was that he did the executive orders? It was like Wednesday, I think. Never amateur state of refugees. Boom. I got three things from here. So... Before we dive into it, right, the executive orders, as far as I can find, yes. from the White House site, which is supposed to archive all the executive orders, which it does some of them, I still have just the quote-unquote fact sheet oh, they, that haven't, they put out. They haven't actually put out the actual no. executive orders. That's that I don't, unless I'm not finding them, which I feel like I'm pretty good at finding legislation yeah. and decrees and whatnot. But if this is what they're calling an executive order at this point, I don't, I'm not comfortable with that. Because obviously, no. the fact sheet is something that is tertiary to the official executive order, yeah, which I okay. can't get the text of. And I'm not a big fan of that. 
But they do spell it out. It was just like the infrastructure bill. Because there is no actual infrastructure bill yet because the Congress has got to build it. Thank God the White House isn't developing their own legislation just yet. Give them time. So what we're going to do is we'll run through because I and essentially what we have is five executive orders with one and one staff announcement. And so we'll go ahead and we'll run through these and we'll talk about them as we go through. Let Um, me read the the topics in the fact sheet. And I'm curious how they stack up to what you have there. Right. Yeah. Because I just have kind of the basic like what they pertain to. Okay. So the first one. The Justice Department, so this was done on April 7th, 2021, and the first main one here, the six initial actions, the Justice Department within 30 days will issue a proposed rule to help stop the proliferation of quote-unquote ghost guns. Next one being the Justice Department within 60 days will issue a proposed rule to make clear when a device marketed as a stabilizing brace effectively turns a pistol into a short-barreled rifle subject to the requirements of the National Firearms Act. The Justice Department, w- within 60 days, will publish model red flag legislation for states. I can't wait to talk about that one. The administration is investing in evidence-based community violence in interventions. And then they break down a couple little, you know, here's $5 billion for this. And U.S. State Department's going to do this. Next one, the Justice Department will issue an annual report on firearms trafficking. And lastly, the president will nominate David Chipman to serve as the director of the ATF. So there's our there's our Waco guy. Yes, our our, um, our Waco guy <coughs> is now in charge of the ATF, which seems yeah. great. Okay, so we'll just start there real quick because that's I think the easiest one to oh, just um, knock off for anybody who doesn't know what Waco is. I it would be hard to imagine. Netflix made an amazing series that I don't think is actually available anymore. Um, Interesting. But Netflix itself made a series about Waco. It was called Waco. It right? was called Waco. That was an excellent explanation of what happened there. The very, very basics of the situation. The Branch Davidians were a religious extremist cult that occupied a portion of Texas. They had a compound in Texas that was called Mount Carmel and they lived there. Um, David, David, Koresh. David Koresh. Koresh. All I could think was Miss Cabbage. I'm like, that is, that's Ms. the Cabbage. Scientology guy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. David Koresh was leader of the branch of idiots. There are allegations that he was a pedophile and he was taking people's wives and there was like all this shit, right? They were, stockpiling guns they were preparing for the end of days they were singing rock music they were doing all kinds of weird shit in mount carmel right and it ends up the atf is busting them for firearms trafficking they think they're doing all kinds of shady shit so they start monitoring them they start spying on them they tip them off because they're so goddamn obvious about the way that they go about it yeah um so the Branch of Indians know there ends up being an armed standoff for like 57 days, I think, um, in with that. 1993? I believe so. Yeah. Um, that ends with the destruction of the Mount Carmel compound and the death of some 76 people. men, women, and children. children. Very few people escape to tell the tale. Um, they used tear gas. They almost definitely lit the building on fire. They almost definitely fired the first shot. Um, almost definitely. The ATF murdered people that day. Uh, David Shipman was there on the scene. He was one of the attorneys, I believe. Yeah. And then a few years ago, he was doing an AMA and Ask Me Anything on Reddit, <laughs> in which he lied and said that the Branch Davidians 
fired 50 caliber sniper rifles at a helicopter and took it down. There is no evidence that helicopter was ever shot down by the by the Branch Davidians, nor is there evidence that they even had 50 caliber sniper rifles. So there's that. This is the man that has now been tasked to lead the ATF. He also, uh, I don't know, he worked for uh, the Giffords Institute for a while. Uh, he's worked for, I think he's been, you know, an anti-gun lobbyist for 20 years now. Um, so. Oh, yeah, he's he's been anti-involved, <clears throat> non, quote-unquote, non-profit, anti-gun industry for census time at the atf gabby giffords this happened like when i was a kid so i don't blame people for not knowing this gabby giffords was a congresswoman that was shot while doing a press event at a supermarket one of her aides was killed she was severely harmed she you know then there's the get the giffords institute i believe that it's called that they do all of this research and and lobbying for her husband was an astronaut there you go right i think so um, I'm, I'm for, fairly sure. There, it's an anti-gun lobby. Um, excuse me. I have a page on my phone that we're going to go over of some of the facts, yeah, quote-unquote facts, um, that the Giffords Institute is using to lobby people. Mm-hmm. And we are going to explain exactly why they are wrong. Um, I love it. So David Chipman is a murderer. Um he, at the very least, is complacent. Complicit? Complicit in, thank you, is complicit in manslaughter and the killing of 70-plus people out at the Mount Carmel compound and has absolutely no place serving in the federal government um, and even less place telling people what they should and should not do with their Second Amendment rights. I am deeply disturbed by the nomination of David Chipman as ATF director, and this will do absolutely nothing to calm the waves between the Second Amendment community and pretty much everybody else. Uh, So good luck on cutting down on extremism if you're going to put fucking David Chipman as the ATF director. I did not Uh, realize there is a independence class littoral combat ship from the U.S. Navy called the USS Gabrielle Giffords. Fucking gross. Okay. Wow. I don't even... I I can't. Okay. So let's... Yep. Let's start here. So the first one I have is to treat ghost guns or 80% kits as firearms. Right? Um, So... Ghost gun, which is funny because to me a ghost gun is not like an 80% kit. Like to me a ghost mm. gun is a 3D printed gun. Like that's what that's I what, think of, right? That's what it is, so realistically. I, so I was surprised to hear that that's what they were saying. There are, as we've discussed in the past, I believe I even discussed it on the 1639 live stream that I did. There are absolutely AR-15 lower receivers, as we talked about before. This portion here that the handle is on, that the trigger is in, this is the lower receiver of the AR-15. There are 80% milled out lower receivers that you can purchase, and there are jigs and stuff that you can buy, and you can mill them out, and then you can build a gun with that. So it, it is true that to get them, you don't have to do a background check to get the 80% lower receiver. Uh, you can have it sent to your house. You can do all those things. It doesn't matter. Everything else you can buy online. But the idea that it would be in no way tied to you, I think, is extremely false because mm-hmm. you have to purchase all of these things. Mm-hmm. So unless you were able to, which is very difficult, unless you were able to black market source all of the components for this firearm, there is no 
very little way to completely construct an AR-15 in which there is no record of you owning it at all. At yes. the very least, you're going to have to buy a barrel, a handguard, um, a kit, to, like a, a parts mm -hmm. kit to go in the little receiver, upper parts. Yeah. Like, like you're going to have to buy all these things from somewhere. Because unless you have essentially a professional metal fabrication shop in your garage, right, right. you're not going to be able to create the... You know, because, you know, when you're talking about a barrel and a, and a firing, you know, you the chamber and all that, you can't house. do you, that. You can't make a barrel and shit in your house. No. Not one that's going to, like, work well. Yeah. You, there's Unless you have a gunsmithing shop in your garage, which is, I know a couple people that do, but they're also FFLs. Right. 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 And, and that's, we'll that's a very that, specific yeah. type of person that wants to get into that particular right. industry. This isn't something everybody's going to have in their garage or can have by going to Home Depot and buying a drill press. And the idea, yeah, and you, you can do it with similar equipment, but it's not going to look very good. It's very no. difficult. It's not a simple process. Um, there are, so I, let me just, a small thought experiment, right? For yeah. everything that we've just discussed here, for everybody listening, right? There's a lot that goes into, even if you're going to, Buy an 80% AR-15 lower, and you're going to build it all yourself. There's, like, a lot of work that goes into it. There's, It takes time and money, you know. If you're going to buy even cheap shit, cheap parts to build an AR-15, you're going to spend, like, 400 bucks at least. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? At the very least, if you're, like, on eBay and you're really scalping for shit, like, if you're only buying things, you're buying at least $400 to build a budget, budget AR-15. I feel like I can cover up all the important numbers on this one. But, you like, can... this is a standard... Lower receiver that you can get, right? But that is the only—that's the piece that is integral to building yeah. a gun, right? And so without that, when, and that is registered, right? That one is when yeah, you yeah. buy it. And the idea that somebody would go through the work to construct an AR-15 to use for criminal purposes—it certainly it has happened, certainly. But the amount of work that you would have to do just doesn't lend itself to like everyday criminal no. activity. Like it ain't going to be talking cheap. about. That's, an that's what I'm saying. <laughs> it's it's as far as time, as far as money, like you, that yeah. doesn't lend itself to everyday criminal activity. Nope. Certainly for larger events, terrorism events, mass shootings, things like that, these are things in which those could be used. But there is no evidence to tie 80% guns or ghost guns to mass shootings, to AR-15 killings, to anything like that. Yep. So. This on on a, on a purely logical basis, this doesn't translate to lowering gun deaths on a yearly level. Like At this all. doesn't go to that, and that's supposed to be the whole point of all of this. And he yeah. starts Joe Biden starts by in his press conference like none of these things that I'm going to talk about infringe on the Second Amendment at all. the The argument that it is is it's nonsense. Frankly, it's bullshit. You know, it, <laughs> because that's the, ridiculous. The way I think the way they frame this this fact sheet as they're calling it. Um, I think does it speaks to what you're talking about. Yeah. The Biden Harris administration announces. Here, I'll go ahead and show this real quick. Um, announces initial actions to address the gun violence public health epidemic. Right. Which I think is a framing device that speaks for itself. And the second, so so that's eighty percent. So there's anything we didn't cover. Any question like that, I'm more than happy to answer them. I also. Let me say this, right? On the 8th was the day after they announced all of these things. Mm -hmm. um, or maybe the day that the actual press conference happened. The fact sheet came out the yes. day before, I think. Yeah. So that day, Jen Psaki has asked about, you know, some of, the things, some of these things that happened. Um, about, like, gun manufacturer liability. Like, why didn't you, you know, announce anything on that? And like, oh, well, you know, we're calling for legislation, but, you know, uh, but we're not helping craft it. 
We're not talking about it at all. And she's like, we can't, we don't craft legislation. Like, we don't do that, you know? Didn't you just release a multi-trillion dollar infrastructure plan that you said you would like to be crafted to legislation and then passed for you to sign? Are you not crafting model red flag legislation for other states to use in their own laws? Is that not what you're doing? But you don't have any way to craft legislation at all, But it's the Justice Department. That's not the White House. Yeah, no, exactly. Oh, wait. Yes, it is. It's a right. it's an it's a branch of government that is strictly run and operated underneath the auspices of the executive branch, which is the White House. So then they ask, well, like, why the delay? You know, what's the no, there's, there's no delay. Legislative branch just needs to introduce mm. the legislation, and then we can sign it. That's all. That's all. You know, there's no delay on our part. We're just waiting to sign the bills that we vowed we would introduce within 100 yeah. days of coming into office, yeah. right? TikTok, by the way. Yeah. It's coming up quick. And then while she's talking about David Chipman, there's literally, she's she's listing off his accomplishments. Oh, yeah. Tier, give her history, all these things. Not one fucking mention of Waco. Not one mention that he was even there. A screaming omission. Not one. So fucking weird, right? But he's so proud. Such a good career that we should be proud of and promote and tell everyone about. Let's talk about Waco. Let's talk about the fact that you helped kill 70-plus American citizens because you didn't like the way they were acting. This insane. (laughs) The cognitive dissonance is is absolutely absurd. And I think John Podhorn's commentary actually spoke to that a little bit um, because he is is an older gentleman. he brought up the fact that, like, at the end of the day, a lot of people that are so involved in politics these days and the conversation around them aren't old enough to, to remember Waco. And he goes, I remember ex- – I mean, that was – that's what everybody talked about for a decade after that, until September 11th, basically. It was yeah. Waco and the ATF's involvement and their problems with that. Ever since 9-11, nobody – everyone has dropped the conversation of what happened at Waco. I mean, it's so bad that they had to make a Netflix documentary about it, which I can't find at all on the Internet anymore. Isn't that weird? And I can tell you that I watched it during Corona. I I certainly within the last two years, I've watched this documentary. It's a it's not a documentary. It's it's a miniseries. It's a docudrama. Docudrama. Yeah. So it's a fictional representation of true events. Yes. Yes. And I might have found that it is there now it is. available on Amazon Prime. There it is. But it looks Prime like Video. It's Prime Video. You actually have to buy it now. Oh, well, of course you do. Damn. Give it another year. It might be on their Prime. Is that who I th- Oh, yes. that's the dude. Yes. I watched him in Fahrenheit 451 recently. He's like the only person that's trying to make sense of this. Like, he's the guy that's like, let's not murder all of these people. Like, let's try and not murder them. 51, <laughs> 51 day that. standoff. I believe that it was 76 people killed. Waco. I want to see that actor's name because I, Michael I something. loved him in Fahrenheit 451, the adaptation of. Uh, let's see. Michael Shannon. Michael Shannon. That's yeah. That dude is, he is a great actor. I want to yeah. see him in everything from now on. He was in a movie called Shape of Water. Take, Take shelter. shelter. Yeah, where he's a crazy person. Oh. That he, looks pretty good. He's got the look to pull the crazy thing off. It's I'll good. say that much. Yeah, or like people think he's a crazy person. Very good. Very, very good. So, 2011. the next one that we have here, the next executive order. a bomb shelter. Uh, yeah. Yes. For something that like nobody believes is going to happen. Um, <laughs> orders the ATF to better define the difference between an AR pistol and a short-barreled rifle. So, that would be the conversation about the... The pistol braces. Yeah. yeah. So, let's... 
discuss this briefly because that's very simple. Um, the way the ATF has fucked people around about pistols and short-barreled rifles is ridiculous. Yes. We talked about the Honey Badger a couple of months ago, yep. about them changing the classification of what was once a pistol into an SBR overnight, effectively turning thousands of law-abiding gun owners into felons. Um, if not tens of thousands. As it sits now, the current guidance for a pistol versus a short-barreled rifle, right? An AR rifle is... Again, God... I hate showing guns on the channel because it just increases the likelihood that we'll get banned. An AR-15 rifle has a stock on it, which is generally adjustable and has a longer buffer tube in the back and has a barrel that is 16 inches or over, right? An AR pistol is an AR-15 that has a rifle or that has a barrel of less than 16 inches but has a pistol brace on the back, right? Which is kind of like a stock, but it's different because it's made for one hand. Yes, because um, you're not allowed... The minute you shoulder that pistol brace, it becomes a rifle. And a short-barreled rifle is an AR-15 that has a barrel with less than 16 inches and a stock on the back as opposed to a pistol brace, right? These may seem like very finite and nuanced uh, differences, and yeah. they are, and they're also very arbitrary and stupid. If you were um, to ask yourself, how would that change the end result of a mass shooting, you would be right to question that because it would not change anything. So, it benefits. Okay, it does and does not benefit modern day gun owners to have a more defined idea of what a short barrel rifle is and what mm -hmm. a pistol is. Because also, like, if you have a pistol like an AR pistol and you can't put a vertical foregrip on it. And that's what this yeah. is right here. This is a vertical foregrip that it's obviously vertical straight out instead of at some type of an angle on an air pistol. You have to have an angled foregrip, some type of something like that. Um, like when you take a look at a standard long rifle, right? Yeah. There is no pistol grip, right? You know, there's, you know, it almost kind of looks like it. There is no vertical stabilizing grip. Nothing. There's none of that. So if you right. were somehow to construct an AR-15 that looked similar to that, we'd be having a different conversation. And the purpose we? of that is because it's an AR pistol, it's meant to be shot with one hand. So the idea that you would need a vertical foregrip yeah. is... You can also make this sound, which is super dope. That's oh, nice. I love the bolt action. Um, so... Those are the technical differences, basically, between the two. There's all kinds of... There's mm -hmm. also, like, a 36-inch total length. There's all kinds... 26-inch total length. There's a lot of yeah. weird qualifiers that go into this. And that's that's the one way that it would benefit modern gun owners, just to have a better idea of what these things are. However, it is an immense burden on modern, modern gun owners to increase or lengthen or expand the definition of a short belt rifle because a short belt rifle is subject to what is called a tax stamp in which Ugh. you have to pay $200 you have to wait for processing and all this stuff it doesn't change anything right in this discussion or the announcement of the executive order on SBRs right on short belt rifles there is a comment about short belt rifle there's a couple of things they say right one of them is that it makes it more concealable, generally true, right? It also says, Joe Biden also says that it makes it more stable, generally true, I guess, with a stabilizing brace. An AR-15 is a generally very stable platform. I don't know that I would argue, it's certainly I wouldn't argue that firing an AR pistol with one hand is more stable than firing an AR rifle with two hands. I yes. would not argue that because that's fucking stupid. Yes. That doesn't make any logical that a, sense. A shooter couldn't become proficient in certainly. shooting that way. Certainly. 
Which, again, speaks to the ignorance of which this conversation is being had. But it's not more stable. It no. Is, to, shoot, to shoot a rifle with one hand is not more stable than to shoot it with two hands. You're going to be, you're going to be it's doing not. exponentially worse. More concealable, certainly. Um, you know, there's like folding stocks, all kinds of stuff that you can yeah. put on there. But they also talk about it making it more lethal, right? Mm-hmm. That it makes it effectively more, more lethal, lethal. Effectively. Right? Okay. So let's talk about lethality, right? Let's do it. This is the bullet that is fired out of an AR-15. This is the bullet that is fired out of my everyday handgun. This bullet weighs 60 grains, give or take. This one weighs 180 grains, Mm. right? Mm. This one is effectively three times heavier than this one. This one moves much faster because it's much lighter. This one puts a much, much bigger hole wherever it hits there's much, much more, bigger there's much more force behind the pistol round than this, the ar round there you correct right this again moves at a higher velocity because it's a it's a 0.223 sized bullet the diameter is 0.223 this is 10 millimeters across right which is 0.45 it's the same thing right so this is almost a half inch around. This is just under a quarter of an inch. Round. So this is twice the mm-hmm. diameter of this bullet. If you get shot with this, this is going to fuck up a lot more than this is, right? To bring in, I just want to bring in one more aspect of this conversation real quick. Because it is very important to understand. The most common rounds used in an AR-15 is that, that two, two, three round. But you can also chamber it in five, half six. You can chamber it in any, almost anything you want, including put those things back up there. This bad boy, a 6.5 Creedmoor. I can build an AR rifle chambered to this round, which means I can shoot them just as much as that one or that one. It just depends on how you build the platform that it's going to be operating within. This bullet will kill a bear that Colin has in his hand. Yes. This one will kill a bear in a pinch. This one will not kill a bear by itself. A lot of these. Maybe like a hundred of them. (laughs) A lot of these would kill a bear. This is carried as a sidearm commonly by people in big bear country, in big predator country. That you bought specifically because it would kill a bear, so you could hunt a bear. Right? With the, the right idea, shot placement, I could take down a moose with this. The idea that this is in any way more lethal because of the length of the barrel or the equipment that is on it, what's called furniture if you're building one, is ludicrous. Right? We can then talk about the technical aspect of it. But if you're talking about an Air 15 with a 16-inch barrel, which is the standard size rifle barrel, mm-hmm. right? you have an effective range of like... I will get all kinds of shit. I'm going to say like 600 yards. You can get an effective shot out to 600 yards with a 16-inch AR-15 with a good scope, with a good all this stuff, right? You could get a good hit. With a – because round right. choice at that with point five, really five, matters. Six, with a 5.56, that's five, five, six, You could get out to 500 rounds, you'll be just fine. I wouldn't 500 wanna, yards, yeah, right? probably wouldn't want to do it with a two two three. No. Because it's a smaller round. No, but I'm still like an M4. Yeah. You know, an M4 standard military rifle is made to reach out to that distance if you yes. need to. But that's that's not – it's prime operating territory. Yeah. But it will go out to that far if you yep. need it. Yeah. That's, it is ballistically stable out to about that far. If you cut barrel length off of that, if you cut six inches off of that, ten and a half, ten and a half is a very common barrel length for a short-belled rifle or a pistol, your effective range is almost cut in half. Yep. So again, the argument that it's more lethal because it's shorter is not only not technically sound, it's logically not sound. The, Which speaks to the, the nature of the conversation it, being had by the uninitiated. And also, it underlines, I think, the 
not only the importance that you follow us on our personal social media, right? Where you can find me at Salt of the Street on Twitter and at Alpaca underscore Don on Instagram. You can find Colin at Big Bird Alfie on both those things. You can find all this on our website, saltofthestreets.com. We have our Instagram at Salt of the Streets, our YouTube at Salt of the Streets. If you're watching us right now, we have our Facebook, fuck Facebook at Salt of the Streets. If you're watching us on you youtube please leave us a comment a like share this with everyone you know so they can see this if you're watching it afterwards same thing comment like if you're like if you're listening to this on a podcast leave us a rating and review if you send me a screenshot of your review i will send you a t-shirt for five dollars off if you can find out what the closing line of this podcast is where it's from excuse me i will send you a free t-shirt Sign in whatever fashion that you want. Go get your haircut by paul go to location skate shop my wife and son are headed down there right now okay lethality oh it also underlines the importance of having an honest conversation about this right i have if you have listened to this podcast from the beginning you know exactly how long my history is with firearms if i'm able to take 10 minutes and completely fucking dismantle (laughs) everything that you laid out as nation changing world changing legislation we have a major problem here. <laughs> We've got a major problem here. Yeah. Because I've been into guns for about five minutes, and I'm able to tear it apart. We've got a problem here. So, again, my deepest core, I feel that all gun laws are infringements on the Second Amendment. Yep. And my more realistic everyday life, I am willing to have discussions about what you would call common sense gun control and things that you think might help. This is not it. And I'm not willing to have those conversations if you can't even be honest or informed about which we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Not going to do it. If you can't be honest or informed about the topic in which we are discussing abridging my Second Amendment rights and the Second Amendment rights of every citizen of this country, we need to have a very honest, very candid, very, very informed conversation about what that looks like. And if that's not how this is happening, that's not how the conversation is going to happen. And preferably, and this is something I've come to recently, and I'm curious your thoughts on it. Um, If we were to have these conversations as far as, if if they're under the auspices of, of writing up a constitutional amendment, in which, that way, at least, they would be speaking to the true nature of what they're trying to do, which is right. alter our Second Amendment rights, which is something that the government, in black and white, in the Constitution, says they are not supposed to do. I mean, either way, we could still have a conversation about having an amendment to the Constitution right. as far as you know our 2A stuff goes, but... But nobody's willing to go there because they know that it's blatantly unconstitutional to begin with. Well, and it would also expose the deep-seated deceit of their initial premise. Yeah, we're not in, coming after your two-way. Not even we're that. We're not in, coming after your two-way, but you are. In this very announcement, Joe Biden says, from the very beginning, you couldn't own whatever firearm you wanted. Yep. Okay, there are actual legitimate United States court cases you can draw back to that rule that people can own cannons. Okay, I'm sorry, what? Yeah, at the time that people owned ships, when they were maritime traders, you could literally own, not even just that, you could own a cannon at your house. There were requirements from a certain, at a certain time from like 14 to 48 of certain arms that you had to have on hand at all times because you were effectively part of the local militia. So the yeah. idea that the government was limiting in which you could have as far as firearms go, is not only ludicrous, it is factually and historically incorrect. It's yep. inaccurate. That is a lie. It's it's not true. And when he said during that same 
conference there when he was talking about all this when he said you know there's always been a there's always been people in the united states that have not been allowed to own guns yes right yes uh, slaves yeah. <laughs> and criminals yes and we don't have slaves anymore thank god joe biden and yes, criminals, we have effective legislation in play that say that if you commit a felony, you cannot own a firearm, period, full stop. We, that, yeah, that exists right that now. That exists. And so when Joe Biden gets up there and he starts talking about how not everybody, you know, we've always had cases at which some people couldn't own firearms. Yes, during slavery, that was about it. Other than that, it was if you were in trouble with the law, which is the same kind of situation we have yeah. now. That's it's, it's, it's Mind-boggling. Uh, the next executive order that was announced is, like we talked about, the red flag model legislation, legislation yeah. for red flag laws. Um, there are, I think Jen Psaki said, either 13 or 17 states that already have red flag laws on the books in some form. I believe, are we one of these states that has red flag laws? Have we not got here yet? I think we did um, finally get I here. I think that we did. Um, a red flag law in its most basic sense is a law that would allow police officers Ooh. individuals and doctors we are a red flag state All right, let's see we're going to pull this up of course we are here and now we're going to see if we can guess the state okay of course google's not helping out here what states do we have here we got washington oregon california nevada mm -hmm. colorado wyoming no Colorado, Wyoming's more north. Right? Arizona. Yeah. Right? Is that Arizona right there? Is, uh, We're terrible. I mean, this is really bad. I got to go. <laughs> Change the camera angle quick. Ah! Get rid of it. Um, so, anyways, yeah, there are multiple states that do have red flags on the books, and we are indeed one of them. So, a red flag law is a law that allows uh, police officers, doctors, and also private citizens to petition to have another private citizen's firearms taken away for a period of time because of some form of emotional distress or concern about their emotional state um or to say a person who may be a present danger to others or themselves and that's according to wikipedia um but steven crowder did a change my mind this week about red flag laws that i, I haven't suggest, watched it yet would suggest everybody yeah, go and watch looks good it's it's interesting um that common a, sense gun yeah there's it's it's not exactly correct there are definitely a thing or two that i should have written down so i could talk about it. there's definitely at least one thing that he says in there that's not factually accurate common sense um, gun control is nonsense that's his, his latest change yeah mind. that's the change of mind if you haven't watched any change of minds i would highly recommend it regardless of what side of the political political spectrum you're on um, they're very interesting. You could learn a lot from them regardless of who you are. Because in um, your mind, you could watch that. If you vehemently did with Stephen Crowder, you could watch that and just through the TV screen, scream at him and try yeah. to change his mind. And he may tackle whatever it is that's in your mind that is, you know, he may end up changing your mind. Yeah. Um, yeah, I haven't watched it. I started watching it last night right before I passed out in this chair. We've <laughs> talked about red flag laws before. One mm -hmm. of the big concerns about red flag, red flag laws is that there are already laws on the books. When you fill out, and this is one of the things that Crowder talks about in this change of mind, when you fill out a background check to purchase a firearm, you have to answer a question of whether or not you've been adjudicated mentally unfit to own a firearm. Mm -hmm. Like that, that's something that's, one that's of the already questions. a question. That you, it's already a question yep. you have to answer. It's already a hurdle you have to overcome. There, come and hang out. So. There are already processes in place in which you feel that somebody may be a danger or a threat to themselves that you can 
report them and their farms can be taken like prior to red flag laws mm-hmm. these things existed these processes existed people i think just kind of in general are hesitant to report their friends or family or people they know to the police to have some of their rights taken away yep. it's just not something people to do very often yeah. there's also an enormous stigma around mental health and people getting help and things like this around people denying things um which is sad because mental health problems are at an all-time high today. It's it's horrible. And all-time high. One of, that's one of the big concerns from, or at least as stated by more of like the pro-gun and pro-2A community, is that because of the rampant reign that anxiety and depression and different small-scale, generally emotional disorders, how frequent they are. Hey, you're running to the chair, homeboy. Um, he's blind. He does that. Because of the frequency at which they occur, there are, like, many people that could have their firearms stripped of them just yep. for simply emotional. I have battled with depression my entire life. My oh, entire yeah. life. From when I before I bought firearms to afterwards. Do I think that my struggles with depression and anxiety should hinder me from owning a firearm because I have bad days no i don't i don't think that at all you know i'm very i'm very aware of my mindset i'm very well of my current emotional state i'm very well of when i'm having a good day when i'm having a bad day when my processes when my thought processes are healthy when they're not healthy like part of that is because i went to therapy for many years to help me learn these things so i can be more aware i do a lot of work on myself personally right this is because for me so many of the people in my family have mental health issues there isn't a stigma around it that doesn't exist for me it would be more of a bad thing for me to not have received help to deal with my problems than for me to have gone and done it you know so for me i didn't have that issue you know what i'm saying i don't have that that stigma that exists but it's it's very concerning for people who don't don't sit in that same mindset that their rights are going to be taken away from them because they're having a bad day because they have a, a tendency to have bad days like mm-hmm. that's that's very concerning you know oh yeah i don't even at my even at the i and i want to be very clear about this that i am not at all minimizing the severity at times of my depression um but even at my worst days Thought never crossed your mind. Still carried my firearm. Yeah. Still. There have been days at risk of whatever that I've chosen to maybe not put around in the chamber. Maybe I just put the magazine in that day. I don't load in the chamber. Still went to work. Still did all these things. Still was vehemently aware of where I was at emotionally, where I was Mm. at mentally. I don't have any qualms about asking you or someone else I know, will you hold on to this for a little while? I don't want to have this at my house right now. I don't, and I don't feel like. I don't have the concern of being judged from mm-hmm. you or from Jake or from Trenton or anybody for me to say that, you know, like, Hey, just hold on for like, just like two weeks, check in with like, me in two weeks. Like work. We'll just see where we're at. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I know if that relationship, if that dynamic doesn't exist with people, then that can't happen. And mm-hmm. that doesn't, that's, that is not common, you yep. know? So that, that speaks to, you know, our, like you said before, our current stigma around mental health and our complete inability to try to deal with it in an open manner yeah. because there is still for whatever reason, some kind of stigma behind it. And I did find, I pulled up the statute uh, as far as the RCW 7.94, the extreme risk protection order act in which they detail that um, our red flag laws from yeah. 2017. So <sighs> the idea behind this, I can't even say I'm not opposed to because I don't like 
the idea there have already cases of these laws mm-hmm. being abused already there are steven crowder as he does picked one thing and harped on this one case over and over and over again as he does of, yeah of yeah. somebody leaving bad reviews for their doctor and their doctor turning them in as a result of that and then them having their farms taken yeah. from them as a complete bullshit thing because the problem is is when you actually codify it into law there are people that will find ways to right. make whatever situation it is fit a similar letter of the law so that law enforcement gets involved. If, Because realistically, I mean, shit, we've talked about this before, right? I, I have a feeling in some capacity. Laws exist for a particular reason, right? And it's to make sure that society is all playing by the same rules on the greater good, right? When society decides to abdicate one of their responsibilities, generally as a law is put into place so that society doesn't have to uphold that responsibility anymore. And when it comes to mental health, I think that is probably the biggest taboo that we have in our current society, Yeah. which by all measures, looking at every single factor around every complicated mental health situation should be handled at its lowest level within the family and the friends group and the individual. That's where it should be handled. But the minute society is refusing to uphold that responsibility, they try to make the government pass a law so that they don't have to worry about it anymore. And it doesn't solve anything because of the way our law enforcement and justice system works. You just make you potentially make those people some form of a criminal. And that that puts even more pressure on somebody not to come out when they're when if they have depression and anxiety and so on and so forth. Yeah, because it, it gets if you think that the stigma behind an open conversation about mental health will get better with red flag laws, you are kidding yourself. You're going to scare people, man. You're going to scare people because now all of a sudden if you have that conversation, you might be opening yourself up to some kind of criminal liability. Even with this, with what I just said here, yes. somebody could could very likely petition the Kitsap County Sheriff's to have my firearms taken from me because I think I'm going to kill myself. Yep. I, I am... Because of the career path that we're on, I am I am willing to have that discussion, you know what I'm saying, to put that out there. But there are people who aren't in positions like this, like I said, live with that stigma that I yeah. didn't grow up with that are not going to be willing to share that and information. And that is a fucking shame. I mean, that idea somebody, that someone would be further deterred yeah. from seeking help because they're afraid they're going to have their guns taken from them, I think is a tragedy. And You dealt with much suicidality in your life? I know you've had a... I know a particular case in your family and, and yeah. whatnot, but like, you know, did you have much more exposure to that type of situation growing up? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because I think we, in today's age, there's, it could probably be said of most people that have some kind of at least indirect tie to that. And I think everybody can acknowledge that after something like that happens, it's like everybody looks back and, oh, the signs, you know, there's yeah. always signs, blah, blah, blah. Sometimes right. there's not, sometimes right. there is. But for God's sakes, man, we got to get over this this societal problem we have. Right. The only way to do that is to be able to make it okay to openly talk about those things. I have conversations with people in my everyday life that because of my own struggles in that, that same department with other people, like we can talk about things like that. Yeah. And like – that helps a lot. Right. Just to be able to like lay it all out on the table one day and not know somebody that goes through similar situations or have gone through simulations can listen to that and understand and not judge you. It it's it's like you it's one of those things where you obviously you feel like a burden lifted off of your right. shoulders. All just just like that. 
because you were able to just expel something, get it off your chest, have somebody listening to you intake it, understand it, and just acknowledge that, like, bro, I know exactly where you're at. Yeah. That sucks, man. I, I feel you. And I want to hit on your point about the abdication of responsibility. I've got three, mm-hmm. three quick little things about that, right? right? My first point would be if there are anything, if there's anything in this country in which we should not go on, mama, go on. Go on. The tale of doom strikes we again. Sh- we should not abdicate our responsibility. No. The mental health of our citizens is one of them. Yep. The mental health and the mental well-being of everyone around you is your responsibility as much as it is theirs. And that's not that like, oh, well, it's your job to make sure that they don't kill themselves. If you think that there's something wrong, it's your job to try and do something about it. I don't, Do I think that that means that you should fucking call the police and try and turn them in? No, I don't think no. that's what that means. So do I think that it means you should try and talk to them, try yeah. and maybe get them to talk to somebody else, try and get them to do something? Yes, I do think that. Yeah. If we're talking about... It's a responsibility. An example in which a specific group of people's mental health has been left to the state and has been absolutely destroyed, I think the veterans are an excellent example. Oh, yeah. The mental health of our veterans, specifically the veterans from the Middle East, yep. have been From almost, our longest-running war. It's been almost solely left to the government. Yep. Well, I'm sorry, do we not have a charity that's called 22 Too Many? Yep. 22 a day veterans take their lives because their mental health is not addressed in a serious enough fashion. Yep. And we are now asking for our, the mental health of our everyday civilians to be left in the hands of the state governments. I think that is an enormous mistake. Um, third point that I was going to make, abdicating responsibility. I wanted to drop a JVP rule in um, here. That might equate to that. Um, that rule of finding the, the heaviest thing you can find and carrying it. Yeah. That's part of that social responsibility that everybody seems so in love with abdicating these days. Yeah. It, it used to be that, like... Oh, I got it. Keep going. You need to... You need to step up to the plate. And if you see somebody that you find struggling, if you are able to, just talk to them. Yeah. Talk to people. Help people out. I mean, I went through a number of suicides um, when I was growing up. And it was like a new thing for me because they hadn't really become that, I don't want to say popular, but common yeah. at the time. But I, I think I talked about my friend growing up. Last, it might have been during our double header on Instagram. We'd go over. He was an immigrant from Japan. His family was first generation, so he and he was a baby when he was brought over. We'd go up in his treehouse and watch those old Godzilla movies. Yeah. First suicide I ever dealt with in my life was him. Nobody saw it coming. And then once you become older and stuff, you realize that there were signs all over the place. But even though sometimes there isn't, it it just speaks to the fact that you really like these things happen every day all over the place and so many of them just get like well i'm not going to worry about it right i'm just going to keep right. going because i don't want to deal with that person blah 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 you know what if i make it worse or something i don't know yeah just be a fucking human being if you see somebody that's not having a good day maybe try to talk to them about it it seems like the human thing to do yeah you know i don't know the third point that i want to make on abdicating responsibility is if that is what we're talking about, right? This needs to be done because we've abdicated responsibility. Is I can point to numerous cases over the last few years, specifically of mass shootings, mm-hmm. in which the responsibility of taking care or addressing threats to certain individuals has been completely abdicated by the federal government. We have seen numerous mass shooters be on the list of the FBI, the CIA, the NSA, and nope. nothing was done. Yep. 
the attack, the mass shooting was still done anyway. And then afterwards, we find out that they're on the list of the FBI. Oh, yep. the FBI had been following this person for X amount of time. Yep. So, so why wasn't there some kind of social worker called so up why, to just go talk to somebody? And why would we then again leave this up to the state? Like, mm-hmm. why, if they're already showing they can't handle the most extreme of cases, the people that actually do commit mass murders, actually do do mass shootings, if they can't even handle this, in what world do we expect them to be able to handle regular, everyday gun violence? Yep. That seems ludicrous to me. It, it, it does. It's, this is not a logical thought process. We don't trust the government to build our smartphones. Why would we trust them with protecting our mental health? This does not make sense that this would solve the problem. Nope. Sure wouldn't, but it, it sounds good during a campaign, and it looks good on legislation. During the announcement that David Chipman was going to be the new ATF director, Joe Biden also said, also, we need assault weapons made in magazine capacity bills in this country. Okay, the federal government did a study after the assault weapons ban. It found the assault weapons ban in 1984 literally had no, no noticeable change on gun violence. None at all. Big zero. That's really weird. Maybe that's because criminals are the ones that do gun violence and not like regular law-abiding citizens. That's super weird. So, (laughs) um, magazine capacity bill, we've talked about that in the past. The idea that the idea that Kim Potter is gonna well maybe Kim Potter but <laughs> the idea that a regular everyday police officer is gonna outshoot me or somebody like Andy Sound who has a sub two second reload you know one reload one that's ridiculous I don't, that's ludicrous to me yep. I think it would be great if they did but it seems evident to me from everything that we've seen that we can't expect a standard police officer to be able to disarm somebody who is from this same line of thinking, a very well-trained, you know, extremist fucking terrorist that wants to destroy America. If my whole life is dedicated to destroying America through gun violence, I'm going to be really good at shooting guns. Yes. You're going to have to be even better than me. Yes. That doesn't seem like that's how this is going now. So, again, the idea that that's going to be the game changer seems awfully fucking silly to me. The idea that I should have to have five less opportunities to save my own life or the life of my family or my son because criminals... People who are already criminals are going to do criminal activity, are choosing to use what are then going to be considered illegal magazines, is ludicrous to me. That's ludicrous. The idea that... It's done. I keep saying that. The idea that this, <laughs> the idea that this, the idea that this, but that's stupid, right? I was going to ask you, who is the current head of the Justice Department? Who's the Attorney General right Merrick now? Merrick Garland. Mm. What's his history on guns look like? Mm. I wonder what that model legislation is going to look like after the, his mm. Justice Department publishes it. That'll be Because he was the one that said that the short-barreled, right, the short-barrels made ARs more, the, this, mm-hmm. the braces made ARs more lethal, which, as we have just discussed in scientific means, because we're both scientists, <laughs> is not true. Like, that's, it's... All you got to be is a legal, it's law-abiding gun owner untrue. to realize that it's factually bullshit um the next thing that was announced was a federal study on gun trafficking which yep. i think is not going to turn up what they want there's no. not going to turn up what they want what um, was that uh old uh fast and fast furious? furious does that sound about um, like uh what happened last time the government tried to figure out what's going on with gun trafficking is that the one where the feds um were trying to find out what happened with the guns and so they sold them to the cartel and the cartel killed uh u.s law enforcement yes oh that's exactly the one that's right. exactly the one. That's what That's happened last the last time they tried to do it. Right. That makes sense. Let's uh, definitely do that again. Right? Yes. Why not? Yeah. I mean, definitely. Eric Holder's not going to be there to take the take the blame, but, you know, Mayor Garland will do that. That's fine. It's no big deal. He owes us one. We gave him a job after he couldn't <laughs> go to the Supreme Court, so he already owes us one. They'll just take the hit for the team. Yep. That'll work out real well. Um, after that, <laughs> they said they're going to put money into community violence intervention, which I 
of all of these things, if that's probably cool, the best one. That's dope. That's probably the best yep. one. I told Jordan, we'll end this topic by talking about this, right? Actually, we'll run through and see if there's any more. Because you know Saki's got something to say about exactly. it. Exactly. On the 8th, she was asked about ghost guns. She had no data on hand on crime involving ghost guns. Really? Really weird. Really, really strange. Maybe because the people that are producing ghost guns aren't criminals. Maybe because it doesn't fucking happen. The idea. Maybe. Again, we just talked about the labor that goes in and building it. Like, yeah. it's not simple. It's like you, certainly you could do it in one day, but you will have to spend a few weeks getting all the parts together. At the very least, you have to have them sent to your house. You have to buy them online and have them sent to your house. If you're yep. really trying to cut on costs, you got to buy them online. And if you don't want to cut on costs, you want to buy it in a store so you don't have any, you, know, you can buy it in cash. You're talking about even more money. Like a complete oh, yeah. upper receiver, again, a completed like 80 a completed upper receiver something oh, that has yeah. a barrel rails this part right here the upper receiver that you could attach to the little receiver and make it effective it's like 400 bucks at least yeah for good shit like you can get a cheaper one off of like palmetto state but again then you're talking about having it sent to your house like these are not you can't use cash you're gonna have a receipt in your name like there are all these mm -hmm. things if you're really trying to do it so that no one knows you're talking about five, six hundred bucks on a fucking rifle that you're gonna go to fucking prison for or die for afterwards. Yep. That and, doesn't that doesn't make easier, sense. It'll be easier, quicker, and cost effective to just go to the store, do the background check, and buy it. Yes. So why would somebody that is a law abiding or to citizen, buy or to buy a gun off the street that was stolen, had the serial number stripped, that had any of these things? Right. Got to pay markup for that. Less than two years ago. Yes. There was. Uh, 99 guns or something like that yep. just under 100 guns stolen from a local gun store in gorst yep. right within two weeks 17 of those guns had been sold through snapchat online and used in crimes yep. 17 of them in two weeks okay the idea they're criminals are going to a gun store to buy a gun to then do a crime is ludicrous it's not factual there is no factual basis in that and we'll talk about yep. that in these gabby giffords things right okay. so We'll go through these, and then we'll go through the Gabby Gifford stats, and then we'll move on. So, no data on hand, on hand, on handgun crime involving ghost guns, right? Because yeah. it really, relatively, doesn't exist. Certainly, yeah. it does. Certainly, it does on a very rare instance, yep. right? Then again, if you're talking about three D print, you're talking about going through the work of like testing and making sure that it's good. You have to have oh, yeah. like the right, like a strong enough polymer that you're making out of. Like, there's you gotta again, have the right three D printer and the the two hundred dollar. The right 3D printer the right, on yeah. Amazon ain't going to do the job. No. So, <laughs> no just, data on hand on, so on ghost and crime. Um, when she was asked about the gun show background check and Biden's lie because Joe oh, yeah, Biden, the, the gun hole loophole, said, do you know that if you go into a store and buy a gun, you have to do a background check? If you go into a gun show, you don't have to do it. Wrong. Okay. So, this has been talked about for fucking years, right? Yep. The so-called gun show loophole, that if you are at a gun show and you purchase a gun, there is no requirement in which somebody does a federal background check. So that's a lie. In That's not true. Right. <laughs> also, to sell guns at a gun show, you have to be an FFL. Yes. You are a federal firearms licensor in which it is a crime for you to sell someone a gun and not do a background check. Yep. Right. It's already a crime. It already exists. It's already illegal for a federal firearms licensor. The only people legally authorized to sell firearms in the United States are FFLs. Yep. Right? It is already federally and in most states, probably all states, illegal to sell someone a firearm without doing a background check. Right? Yes. If and you are... There is a particularly small group of states in which there is one particular... Private transfers. Private transfers. And, it, and that is the only case, and it's not that way in most states. No. It is in a few states, but 
at that same time, you are held criminally liable if yes. you sell a gun to someone that is not legally allowed to have it. Yes. There are laws on the books that stop all of this, that Even protect it, yeah. people from all of this. Even if you don't do the background check because you yes. think someone is going to fail it, that's but, illegal. But the to fundamental buy a gun problem. for someone else who can't get a gun yes. is illegal. There are signs in fucking sportsmen. Like, yep. that's, that's already illegal. That already exists on nope. the books, right? 100%. Um, she was then asked about, like, what about a brace buyback or confiscation? She said, I don't think that that's what we're looking at, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm yeah, sure, yeah better not right? be. Yeah, sure. um, yeah. I'll believe that um, when I don't see it. <laughs> she was then asked about a deadline for Congress on guns, and she said, the president isn't waiting for Congress. There's more executive orders to follow, even though, as we just talked about, these executive orders don't really do shit. Um, <sighs> Which, thank God, because we haven't gone full dictator yet. Yeah. Like this is the last step, and then we'll go through that. Every president thing. gets a little; they get one or two steps closer to pure dictatorship, but we haven't yeah. quite crossed that line just Gabby yet. Gabby Giffords talks about arms list, and I'm going to shit all over her for that. Um, <sighs> Which is sad. On the 16th, she was asked, "Why not a whole of government approach to guns?" Um, and she said, "You know, the president used the levers of the president to make sure that was done, and that permanent permanent change takes Congress." Okay. Jen Psaki just admitted to everybody what apparently they don't want to say. They don't – the same thing as immigration. They don't actually have power to permanently affect any of these things. Yep. Fucking ludicrous, The right? executive branch has the power to eg execute laws that are passed through Congress. Right. That's how that works. She it's then, right there in the name. She was then asked about, like, well, what are the next steps going to be on gun control? Because if you don't, then really you're just kind of punting it to Congress. You know, like, yeah. isn't that really what's going on? Um this was the greatest thing. She then started talking about, well, you know, President Biden has been working on gun legislation for years. Like, you know, he fought the NRA twice and won. Ooh. And, uh, you know, the assault weapons ban. And he just acted with these executive orders. And now he's waiting patiently to sign the bill. Beautiful. I what, love. What progress, Jen Psaki. God, what she's progress so... on gun control, Jen Psaki. So terrible. Okay. She's so terrible. Gabby Giffords. So. Gabby Giffords. This, and I'm not Gabby Giffords, the Giffords, Inst the Giffords yeah. Institute. Because Gabby uh, Giffords' story is rather tragic because. It is tragic. Because she was shot in the head, is what happened. Yes. And she did the Giffords live Law and recover. And, but obviously there has been some rather permanent brain damage there. Yes. And so it. But the Giffords Institute or Fe Foundation, whatever it was, um, was established after that to become yes. a, you know, a gun control yes. lobbyist. He also talked about, Joe Biden also talked about what he called the Charlotte loophole, which is in many states there are regulations that if a background check takes more than three days, then you can leave with the firearm afterwards. Yeah. I don't understand in what fucking world, for what reason, a background check needs to take more than five fucking minutes. Yes. Uh, but that's just me. Because we live in the future. So, we have this beautiful thing called the internet and databases. Well, and it's like, remember, it used to be in Washington State that if you had your, your concealed pistol license, they could use your background check from your concealed pistol license. Yes. But now they don't. So if, yeah. even if you have one, you still have to wait the 30 days, like all this yeah. stuff. Got to run even, a fresh one. Even though every five years I have to go and do a new background check, I have to go and fingerprint myself again yep. to make sure that I haven't violated the law. I still can't use my concealed pistol license. Which kind of scares me because if you go in to get your background check and your fingerprints done and all that stuff for your concealed carry permit, <laughs> it comes if, if you have committed a felony between then and whenever you go in to go redo it, and I still if, have they, it. if you still have it, <laughs> how does that not speak to a fundamental failure in the system? Yes. Okay. Um, so this is the Gafford's Law Center 
web page um, to prevent gun violence, it says. And this is their page, excuse me, on gun universal background. Like the greatest checks. slogan they came up with since Build Back Better. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, universal background checks are essential to close deadly loopholes in our laws that allow millions of guns to end up in the hands of individuals at an elevated risk of committing violence each year. Though more than 90% of the American public supports background checks for all gun sales, a dangerous and deadly loophole in federal gun laws still exempts unlicensed sellers from having to perform any background check whatsoever before selling a firearm. Okay, so let's Where? stop right there. Where? Unlicensed firearm sellers. Yeah. That means people who are not FFLs. So you're talking about the personal transfers. Right. In the very small, <laughs> yes. minuscule percentage that those are actually yes. done. Which in, we... in most cases is like parents passing down their guns to their children that is the most common form of which that is done and we will talk about something called arms list later on because that's like that's okay yes um under current law unlicensed sellers people who sell guns online or at gun shows or anywhere else without a federal dealer's license can transfer firearms without having to run any background check whatsoever okay first of all the only people who can transfer the name the title the serial number of a firearm is somebody with an FFL because you have to have access to the federal firearms, like yeah. not registry, but license. You know what I'm saying? Yep. The background checks. Do you know so how to get into that system? You, then you you're not have an FFL. to be an FFL to access that, right? In which case it would then be a crime for you to transfer the title yep. without doing a background check first, right? Like that's a, the, that's the thing about this is that if you're reading this, and you don't know anything. You're like, this is fucking crazy. Yep. But if you know even the most basic things about firearms or ownership, if you ever tried to buy a gun before, you're like, this is not, this doesn't even make any sense. Yep. Of course, an unlicensed firearm sale is not required to do a background yeah. check or transfer the title because you don't have a fucking license. You shouldn't be selling it anyway. You're not allowed to. Yep. Okay. <laughs> you're in, you're inherently a criminal already. Yes. Because of this loophole, people who are subject to domestic violence convictions or court orders, people who have been convicted of violent crimes, and people ineligible to possess firearms for mental health reasons can easily buy guns from unlicensed sellers with no background checks in most states. Okay. What again, is this? In order to have the... Even... Let's just talk about Arms List real quick because that's kind of, mm -hmm. what, kind of what they keep referring to, right? Arms List is a website in which you can go and buy firearms from people who are privately selling them right you can buy them there just like when i bought my ar-15 i bought it on sportsmans.com look at this right? long yes terms of use yes so let's this is armslist.com i am 21 years or older yes i understand the armless is never involved in transactions between parties and does not certify investigate or in any way guarantee a legal capacity of any party to transact. No. And so arms list is like... So they're a middleman. It's Craigslist. It's Craigslist yeah. for guns, right? You can't actually buy anything here. You can find guns for sale... Through an FFL. Through, not even that. You can oh. buy... You can find them. People can list their personal firearms, right? But when they do that, in order for your name to be put on the firearm, which for you to legally possess it, it has to be in your name. For you to possess a firearm that is registered to me is a crime, right? It's a crime for you to have it, a crime for me to give it to you, right? I'll so say for, it's not an easy website so to navigate. So for you to legally possess it, it has to be transferred into your name, which has to be done through an FFL. Yes. So anybody who they advertise their guns on here, right? Say that you, you're going to put this AR-15 up. I want to buy it, right? That's great. Let's go. 
for me to transfer to your name, we have to meet at an FFL. Yep. At the FFL, that's where the money changes hands. You pay the FFL to transfer the title yep. because they've then just witnessed a crime take place because you just gave someone a gun for money and yep. they didn't do the background check. Not to mention there's generally a fee associated yes. to that FFL yes. so that yep. he can get paid a little for running Absolutely. the background check. Absolutely. So even, even if you use something like arms list to, to list one of your firearms and you sell it, for you to then give it to that person without a background check is a crime. So what we're talking about here is the prevention of pre-crime. Like this... We're trying to find pre-crime. These things already happen. And when you dig through and you use all this, like, coded wordage and try and do these things, that's the only way to make this work. That's yep. the only way to make it work out, you know? I don't... <sighs> okay. Which, again, speaks to the fact that the people that are having these conversations and leading these debates have no knowledge of what they're talking about. Okay, so let's see. When background checks are required and properly enforced, they can help keep guns out of dangerous hands. Since the federal background check requirement was adopted in 1994, over 3 million people legally prohibited from possessing guns have been stopped from, from purchasing a gun or denied a permit to purchase. Okay, so it works. That, the background check system is working. Is what, what they're saying, saying right me. there is our NICU. Or is it, what's it called? The NICU? Yeah, the NICS. The NICS. System works. Because they catch people all the time that are, right. or they get flagged or whatever. More than 35% of these denials involve people convicted of felony offenses. Yep. They already had felonies, which disbars them from being able to own a firearm, and they were not allowed to purchase a firearm. Yep. I know okay. a guy who's really hesitant. He wants to go buy a shotgun for home defense, and he's mm -hmm. really hesitant on going because 25 years ago he had a domestic abuse charge associated with him, which he fought. And was supposedly expunged because it was one of those, it was an ex-girlfriend who called you and never blah, 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 know. went through the whole thing. But now he's worried about going in there because what if that somehow pops up and then he's afraid of getting hemmed up? Yeah. Which is terrifying. I can't even imagine that. Right, because to try and buy a firearm when you're ineligible is also a crime. Because you're falsifying legal documents. Yep. You're falsifying federal documents. Hunter Biden. <clears throat> so Biden. weird that that's not uh, you know discussed at all isn't that isn't so weird weird? Yeah, weird yeah i do just want to take this uh time to remind everybody that you can find more of this information on our personal social media i am at salt of the street on twitter and at alpaca underscore donovan on instagram colin is at big bird Offie on both those things you can find all of this saltofstreets.com you can also find our personal or that social media there salt of the streets instagram at salt of the streets facebook fuck facebook at salt of the streets if you're watching this on YouTube, thank you very much for joining us. Also, leave us a comment and a like. Share this with everybody you know. So really you helps. Can find us. It really, really helps us. Those if likes you... go a long way. The comments in there, just a little, what's up? Yep. That goes a long way to getting boosted. If you are listening to this in a podcast form, leave us a rating and a review to tell your friends about it. If you screenshot the review and send it to me, we'll give you $5 off a t-shirt. If you can tell me what the closing line of this podcast came from, and we'll send you a free t-shirt with our signatures on it or whatever you want. Make sure if you're going to get a haircut, you go to Swell Blended and make sure that you go to Location Skate Shop today they're open now okay with that this next part right hopefully i didn't just get us banned if i'm mentoring hunter biden's name background <laughs> check laws also you got to listen like okay really carefully okay um Oh, no, that's not the one. This background check laws also help prevent guns from being diverted to illegal gun markets. States without universal background laws export crime guns across state lines at 30% higher rates than states that require background checks on all gun sales. That's confusing. Yes. 
Laws export crime guns across state lines. Crime guns. Crime guns. That means that guns used in crimes, which the vast majority of which are unlicensed, unregistered. Mm-hmm. Unregistered firearms. Okay, so that's what they're talking about. However, in the absence of comprehensive background check systems, people who are ineligible to possess firearms routinely exploit the massive loopholes in our laws. Around 80% of all firearms acquired for criminal purposes, this is the one, listen really carefully, okay? Around 80% of all firearms acquired for criminal purposes are obtained through transfers from unlicensed sellers. And 96% of inmates convicted of gun offenses who were already prohibited from possessing a firearm at the time of the offense obtained their firearm from an unlicensed seller. Okay. What that says. What that says. Because, again, we have just gone over numerous times how even if you are going to sell a gun, if I'm going to privately sell a gun in the vast majority of states, I have to do it at an FFL so the, so the title can be transferred. Or else I'm immediately, even if I don't think you're a criminal, even if I do think that you could pass a background check, I have still violated the law by transferring the title of my gun or by not transferring the title of my gun and giving it to you in your possession. Yep. Already a crime, right? Okay. 80% of all firearms acquired for criminal purposes... A crime is occurring. That person is a criminal. Are obtained through transfers from unlicensed sellers, which means that person also broke the law in the vast majority of cases. And 96% of inmates convicted, inmates, criminals, convicted of gun offenses, crimes, who were already prohibited, already prohibited from possessing a firearm at the time of the offense, obtained their firearm from an unlicensed seller. Unlicensed seller. Mm. Okay, as we have just gone AKA over, criminals? as as we have just gone over, can it rarely can you unlicensed sellers mean people selling guns on the street? That's illegal. Yeah. To sell a gun on the street is already illegal. Like this doesn't change any of those things. A background check doesn't stop me from giving you five hundred bucks and taking a gun from you and fucking killing somebody. Yep, that doesn't stop that. That doesn't change these things. A federal background check law does not stop me from illegally buying a gun off the street and using it for a crime. This doesn't make any sense. On the fucking Giffords Institute, the Law Center website, it's telling you that. This doesn't make sense. This does not solve the problem. These are already crimes. These are already against the law. These will not fix the problem. The, the only one that might, the two that might solve this problem, a federal study on gun trafficking to find out how in the fuck all these illegal guns are going all over the place that they're going. And next, community gun violence intervention. Let's talk about this because this is what I want to say there and this is what got me on this, right? Mm. I told Jordan the other day, we had a long conversation about this after I said it. I said, if you gave me the choice, I would, no question, take all of the mass shootings that happened in America, I would willingly take those if you could get rid of all of the gun violence, the illegal gun violence that happens in inner cities. So I would willingly take it because the amount of gun violence that happens at the hands of mass shootings compared to the amount of gun violence that happens with in illegal Chicago guns every day. in inner cities is, it's not even comparable. Yeah. It is, it is a... You want to talk about doing something for the greater good. 4%, 5% of the gun deaths that happen every year are because of mass shootings. Half of them are because of suicides. The rest of those, the other 45%, give or take, are legal gun deaths happen on the street. People defending themselves like these these things. Yep. Which are happening. 
I would willingly take the mass shootings that we have every year to get rid of the insane urban gun violence that is happening on a fucking daily basis. Yep. One of the things they talked about, they, they spit out this insane statistic of, you know, 800 people have been killed or shot in the last whatever. Like, do you know what I'm talking about? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, there's I, always that. I don't know the number because, but it's always put out there as like, well, so many people die of gun violence every single day. Yeah. And 95% of them are happening in, in the worst Says, inner, su- in inner city shooting. You probably didn't hear it. Between those two incidents, the two mass shootings, right? Less than a week apart, there were more than 850 additional shootings. 850 that took the lives of more than 250 people and left 500 injured. Okay, so there were there were two mass shootings, right? Totaling 18 people. And we're now talking about 250 people killed on a daily, like, on everyday crime in the streets. Mm-hmm. But we keep talking about how important these mass shootings are. How big of a deal these mass shootings are. These are, they're tearing our communities apart. But you have just said that, oh, I don't know, 10%, 5% of just these that happened in these two weeks were mass shootings. But that's the justification for all these things is mass shootings. Yep. That's the justification for these gun laws is mass shootings. Even though in the same breath we have just admitted that inner city gun violence, everyday gun violence is the problem. Yes. Now, we might have brought this up in the doubleheader or even last episode. I can't remember, but that the classification for what what constitutes a mass shooting, right? And it's, right. it's four or more individuals involved. Generally right? speaking, yeah. The reason they set it at that number is because of all the inner city, mostly gang related violence, generally runs around three people or less, right? And so you put that cutoff there, so that way the amount of mass shootings doesn't skyrocket through the roof which makes sense if you talk about it honestly yes if you're talking about it honestly it does make sense because then okay well what's going on with those those shootings that aren't mass shootings yes the number skyrockets maybe we should be addressing that yeah but no they don't do that washington dc detroit chicago quickly becoming new york city once again oakland I mean, new york oh, city oh in God. itself i mean this yep. the amount of gun violence that happens in these places it's you there was just a study i saw just yesterday that's like i don't know 80 percent of the gun violence in the united states happens in like fucking 50 cities yeah like it, i mean it's if not you much. look at a map of the united states yeah. the, there are fucking whole states that have zero murders yep. like that's a thing that happens entire <laughs> states that does. have zero murders Yep. What, but we're talking about across the country, this epidemic of gun violence. Yeah. Like, that's not – this be, is not the case. It's because it doesn't fit the current narrative for what they want to ultimately accomplish. They don't ultimately want to rid us of gun violence because if they did, they would have been take, they would have been throwing out every single politician that has run through Chicago for the last three decades because all they've done is – make it impossible for law-abiding citizens to get guns while the criminals just load up because that's what they do because they're fucking criminals. Criminals don't have a problem uh, obtaining an illegal weapon. It's the it's the law-abiding citizen that has a problem in those crime-ridden states and cities getting weapons. I mean, in Washington, D.C., you have to... All of the gun purchases happen through the police station. That's how that works. You have to run the whole thing. It takes forever. It's very, It's very... It's an arduous process to do, but does that stop or does that lower the gun violence problem in New York or in Washington, D.C.? Not even a little bit. 
you have somewhere between five and eight million new gun owners last year. Oh yeah. If guns were the problem, you would think that you would see an immense. And there certainly there was an uptick in violent crime last year. There was also an immense amount of rioting and looting and protesting that happened that ended in the death of many people. Yep. So those two things are definitely correlated. I. Oh yeah. We're gonna t- let's look at gun violence over the next couple of years. You know, where we just mm-hmm. like I said, increased somewhere between five and eight million brand new gun owners, not yep. new guns sold. Brand new, new gun, gun owners, right? I mean, yep. and I mean, there's been if a... guns were the problem, yep, it would be pretty obvious. There are more guns than people in the United States. There's mm-hmm. more than 330 million guns in the United States. If that was I'd a problem, you would think that we would know about it. Yes, you know. We Instead, would... you have to use coded language and lie about things and change the names and be dishonest about what people really are to try and spin this to fit your narrative. Yep. Because if you were honest about the conversation, you would be honestly speaking to the actual problem. But I don't know why we can't do that. I really don't understand why we can't do that. I can guess, and all the reasons are very, very cynical and very bigoted. And I I don't think anyone's ready to face the truth behind the makeup of the majority of gun violence. And so we focus only on the extra tragic what they call mass shootings what you know what we call mass shootings like the fedex shooting recently you know the spa shooting we've had a i think in 2021 it's probably safe to say that there has been a a great deal more mass shootings as they're colloquially referred to now than have been in the past and i think that probably speaks more to the mental health aspect of what we have been going through for over the last year yeah more than anything else but it's so easy to label everything mass shooting and gun violence, right? It's so easy to just throw a, a general label on it and say, we need to fix this problem. Yeah. When in all actuality, every single issue is a, is a very finite problem. There's probably hundreds of small problems that need to be addressed and fixed if you want to address, quote unquote, gun violence. You know, if the CDC is going to, or no, that's something else. If, the White House in this statement is going to refer to gun violence as a public health epidemic. You need to be addressing the actual problems, not the overarching theme, which is just gun. We have we have just laid out for you exactly why these will not solve this problem. And I think and we did a damn good job, buddy, by the way. Yet somehow this is the initial actions to address the gun violence health epidemic in this country. It's disingenuous, and all you're going to do is foment division and not fix any of the problems and if there let me pose one last log- logical question and then we'll move on we will talk about the border um if i want to commit a crime and there are more guns than people in the united states <laughs> is it not easier for me to find a like-minded individual like yourself just for example and say Yo, let me borrow this hey i'll give you 600 bucks for this right now and to leave and go commit my crime than to take the time to go through these steps to try and commit a crime afterwards. Mm-hmm. Like if I'm going to commit a crime, why would I go and buy a legal firearm? And I'd like that's <coughs> unless your end goal is I'm not coming out of this thing, which is what I mean. How many of the fucking illogical we see take place where somebody went out and illegally purchased a firearm for their their crime? Like it's not much. Most of the time it's somebody came across it legally or they stole it from their parents because they weren't they were being irresponsible right but their intent wasn't to make it out you yeah. know what i'm saying that wasn't 
That wasn't their goal. Yep. They don't care. They don't care. If somebody's going to go do that and not want to be searched for afterwards because you plan on coming out of it the other end alive, they're not going to go legally buy a gun. It's nonsensical. None of this stuff, all this quote-unquote common sense gun legislation doesn't make any sense. But it does make sense to you if you have no concept of the industry in which you are trying to infringe on. If you just have an, if you go in with assumptions only that guns are bad and guns kill people, blah, 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 yeah. this stuff does make sense to you. But then you'd think after 10 years of all these crap, after the, after the 90s era assault weapons ban, when that didn't change anything, and then for decades afterwards, assault weapon ban gone, you could buy assault weapons, whatever quote unquote those are. When the numbers haven't changed that much, when do you realize that you can't just fall back on your priors yeah. and expect people to fix things? But it's not about fixing things. It's about feeling good so you can maintain your power and force through your own agenda. No. And if you don't, as a closing thought on this, if you don't know about firearms, I would behoove you, I mean, first of all, to learn about them. But if you don't want to do that, I would behoove you to... It would behoove you to listen to the people that you're calling gun nuts that are telling you why this doesn't make sense. Yes. Because we've like Morgan, you know, when I sit Morgan down and I'm like, let me tell you like why this is convoluted and not like this is stupid. Gun rights are a fucking infringement. Bah, but, bah, like, bah. but like me telling you that this logically doesn't make sense that this will not solve the yeah. problem. You know, like when I when I sat down with her and talked about 16 years, she's like, that isn't that doesn't, doesn't make, make sense. sense. And I'm like, that's. That's Word. what I'm telling you. Like, I'm not telling you, you know, I, I am, but I like I am telling you all gun laws are infringements. That's not my point now. My point is this is not the answer. This will not do it. Yep. And that acting like it is is just making you feel good, you know? Yep. When people keep dying, you're gonna feel real fucking bad about it, you know? Mm-hmm. Like this is this is not the answer. You won't feel bad about it because there's always another piece of legislation that could be drafted. Yeah. And if you are a gun person and you're tired of talking to people, Tell them to listen to this podcast. Boom. <laughs> because we will have timestamps in the description. So let's talk about some updates on the southern border. Let's do it. Let's just go ahead and run through these here note cards. Huh? Note cards. So uh, on the 5th, we have the White House press conference, and it was reported that there was 100,000-plus crossings in February um, and 170-plus thousand crossings in March. Oof. Um, Oof. And that's that is not those who stayed. That is those who crossed the border. Yeah. And so that's just to be very clear about that. Um, the individual interactions, correct, with Border Patrol. Yeah. On the seventh, um, that was the day after it was announced that border wall construction was likely to continue to fill in the gaps in the southern border yeah. wall. Which remind me, Colin. Was Donald Trump not talking about how he was trying to build the wall to fill in the spaces that were there where people were walking through? Hard maybe. Okay. <laughs> um, That's a definitive yes. To which Jen Psaki said construction is paused, which it, to a certain extent is true. There mm. are – I have seen videos and pictures of construction crews at the border literally standing there fucking doing nothing because yeah. they're just showing up every day getting paid, waiting to be told they can continue to build yes. piles of fucking steel just sitting there that's already been paid for, already been yep. everything. It's because they're fighting there. it out in the courts to see if they're legally right. allowed to stop the construction because this money has already been allocated that's, and obligated. That's what she said. We are reviewing as able uh, the funding that is going into it. Yes. Currently there are, yeah, like you said, there's a shitload of money already allocated, already been paid yep. out. Companies already been paid, employees getting paid actively to build the wall. Yep. Funds that we're legally within Trump's 
uh, jurisdiction to to reallocate. You maybe don't like it. You don't agree with how he did it, yep. but he did it, right? Again, I don't I don't love it. I'm not here to talk about whether or not I like the border wall. Yeah. The point is, is that not a huge fan, but I get it. The Biden Harris administration talked about how it was racist and xenophobic this entire time, and I'm like, oh shit, the only thing that we can do is fucking finish up the border wall. Ooh. So fucking weird, right? Interesting. They then talked about the Central Central American Miners Program was being restarted, which, as we talked about before, is. Mm-hmm. It's a 10-year fix. It's also near discernible, like almost not discernible from the way to Mexico policy because it's just focused on children. Instead yep. of being able to apply, everybody being able to apply in the country of origin, now it's just children. Yep. Now children can apply from their country of because origin. Because the minute they decided to get away with the policy, Mexico was then able at that point to essentially renegotiate a new one and yeah. they said we can't we're over capacity we can't do this we're not going to do this we'll, we'll take the minors at this point point. that was on the seventh and later in that she was asked about she says what are like the signs or the benchmarks for success for uh vice president harris's immigration plan oh yeah how are we going to know whether or not it's working. She's successful yeah you know she said we're focused on the long term, so yep. we're not really setting out any benchmarks. Like we don't have any indicators of what immediate success would be because she's focused on the long term. Um, and then regarding is if Harris was really um, doing the border, or if it was Mayorkas, Mayorkas that was on point at the border, yep. um, because and then she got asked about because Alejandro Mayorkas, yeah, and yeah. she was asked that because she went to because Kamala Harris went to Chicago and like went to a bakery and was like taking pictures there, um, and and so she was getting a bunch of shit and Jed Sack is uh, says uh, she was there for COVID and she got a snack. I think that that's acceptable, you know. Like went on this whole thing. Yeah, she always that, gets so defensive, dude. It's, it's like bad. you're a bad person for asking this completely legitimate question yeah um and then they were also asked about obviously the continuation of the border wall and charging multi-time crossers mm-hmm. with offenses actually charging people who have been found to be crossing the border more than one time uh she was there for covid and got a lot and got a snack and there is a <laughs> there for COVID and got dark a snack. team in south america um <clears throat> to try and deal with these things at the border and discuss what they're going to do and then she was asked you know about like well she's also going to be going to south america you know mm-hmm. and the northern triangle isn't the border so i wouldn't expect her trip to be to the border because her focus on the northern triangle nope. and not the border because they can't send her to the border because they'll have to deal with the reality at the border <laughs> um she then asked it's so the fact transparent. that as of four seven right 10 days ago 10 days ago there had been no families reunified through the family reunification program is this a surprise to anybody not one Right. Her response. uh, Well, the Trump administration had no system and we are currently authenticating people. There's a lot of inaccurate information they were trying to work through. I'm sorry. Didn't we just see reports that they're processing people and not asking for contact information when they're there? Yep. That's right. Not only are they doing that, they're putting people on planes to wherever the fuck they want to go, giving them checks and cash in their hands and not asking for contact information once they've done that. Well, let's be let's make sure to be truly factual here. They're yeah. not putting it in their hand. They're oh, giving a Manila right. envelope that also says a big old sheet of paper here. Please help me. I don't speak English. Right. Courtesy of ABC, I might or NBC. But we just don't know why the why the numbers are so high or where they're know. going. Right. Yeah. We have no idea where people all these people are, are going or why we can't yeah. track them. Or why we're having such a hard time authenticating the information. Mm-hmm. That same report was the same one that also said. That the vast majority of these people are coming in are not being given court dates. 
They're not getting any contact information of what's going, where to get a hold of them yeah. afterwards, and then they're putting them on a plane or a bus and send them on their way. No, and the idea that Donald Trump, the Trump administration, had no system for family reunification is a lie. They it were a lie. actively doing that. They, we, they, the Biden-Harris administration has referenced. I, I have they to have do it to. now. Has referenced children being sent out of the country to be reunified with their families. They've referenced it. They've already talked about it. Yep. This is actively happening. That was there. You're, you are. You can't reunify families because you're just taking in anybody who's there, any children who are there, regardless of information, anything like that. Keep talking. Well, they all they have little pieces of paper balled up in their hand. That's what they keep coming over here. Then why? Then what's going on? What's going then on? Then what's going on here? Like, like, so if they have a phone number written on their wrist or in their hand, and they come up and somebody calls them. How do you? How are you going to verify that that's who they say they are? No system. No system. Yeah, no system. No system. Then she was asked about the vice president visiting the border. Uh, we're focused on solutions. Yes. We're focused on. So yeah. she's. Just, I, I don't. I don't have any trips to preview, um, of of vice president Harris. It's at the so terrible. Yeah. I want her down on the border in that facility, telling me that they are meeting COVID require COVID restrictions. You know, they're they're following the COVID guidelines with these kids stacked up like cordwood underneath an overpass wrapped up in space blankets yeah i would love kamala harris to be there i need to see that picture um on the ninth you also had mayor pete was in the building that day um and pothole extraordinaire she was asked regarding 60 million dollars a week being spent by the federal government housing unaccompanied children at mm -hmm. different HHS facilities and CBP facilities. And her response was, oh, well, you know, the Trump administration had to ask for more money, too. Do you mean the money that you just shit on them for allocating to the border wall and to the border to try and deal with this? That's what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. Right. That it was racist for him to do that. That's what you're talking that's, about. That's right. it. Right. So that makes um, you racist, too, right? <laughs> Because you are. Um, after that, Greg Abbott asked for one of the facilities in Texas to be closed because there were reports of um, sexual abuse of children. Um, and Jen Psaki and said, not on a small scale. We're looking into it, uh, but we don't have any plans to close that facility at the time. Awesome. Sweet. But we want to treat the kids humanely, right? Yep. It's, this is all about humane treatment of children. Humane. Right? You guys are batting a thousand. Let's see on the 9th. Um, regarding unaccompanied children up 100% in Feb from February to March. And then asked, is there a point in which you will stop taking all kids? Um, her response was, it's not humane to turn them away. Instead, we'd like to keep them under overpasses with aluminum foil blankets. We'd like to put them in facilities in Texas where they're likely to be raped. We'd like to put them with people that we don't know. Maybe they'll just sit in HHS, HHS facilities for, I don't know, until we can figure it out. We'll just until out. we can get there. Yep. We'll just keep building more facilities. Just keep more, more open air facilities. We'll just keep bringing them in because it's not humane to turn them away. It's really, it would be fucked up to turn them away. Yep. It would be wrong. It would be wrong to turn them away into a even a slightly less shitty situation she was then asked about reports of people being deported to mexico and not to their country of origin right which is again <laughs> something they have shit on the trump administration for for just sending people back to mexico when they're yep. when they're deported well this happens on a case-by-case -case basis you know it's so like i can't really address that we're not really in business of talking about people's personal circumstances you know in regards to their deportation and everything so mm -hmm. you know things happen on a case-by-case -case basis i can't really speak to that that shit like neo bro yep. See, on the 12th, um, this this is the big one, right? On the 12th, she was asked about um, 
Is there some agreement that you guys had with like Mexico and these Northern mm-hmm. Triangle countries to like some border security or something? Let's see. Mexico is adding 10,000 plus troops to their border, both from their military and their police forces. Um, Guatemala is on their southern border, mm-hmm. right? So I believe, yep. will you pull up a map up of South map. America real quick? Um, Guatemala is doubling the amount of troops that they have on their southern border, right? Um, there are 1,500 police and police officers, law enforcement individuals on the southern Honduran border, plus 12 checkpoints on the way down from that. So we got Guatemala. Okay, so on the Mexico-Guatemala border, there is now 10,000 Mexican troops uh, from both the military and the arm- and the police that are on that southern border. On the southern border between Guatemala and Honduras, right there here. is now 1,500 police officers uh, that are on the border there, and they're on the way south of the Honduran border to El Salvador. There are 12 checkpoints now that immigrants can go through. And what see what was the Let's point take a of look this? At what kind of environment they're dealing with right there? Um, let's see what was the point of this? Oh, to make it harder to cross the border, to mm. deter the journey. Let's see when Donald Trump was. I hate that I am just keep having to defend Donald Trump. Right, it's terrible. When Donald Trump started the Remain in Mexico policy, yes, it was racist, slandered as a deterrent from from migrants coming to the border, mm-hmm. right? It would be ludicrous for them to be used as a deterrent. Why would you want to deter people from coming here or trying yeah. to make a better life, right? They are now openly saying this is to deter people from the border. We so badly don't want to increase security on our own border. We're going to pay other countries to do it for us. You can already, right now, look up videos of these things already happening in the past and eventually... They're just lines of of so the South American police officers. Eventually, the caravan, the group, just gets so big they just force their way through the line. Yep. While in the meantime, the people that are there are getting the shit beaten out of them. They're getting sprayed with water hoses, flashbangs, uh, fucking OC spray, all this shit, because there aren't enough people to overpower the police at the time. That's what's happening in these southern countries when we ask them to take care of our problems because we don't want to do it. <laughs> So, I don't even want to say our problems, problems that we have helped create. Yes. Right? That's, I think it's probably a better way to say that. So it's instead, kind of like how corporations always offshore their problems. So instead, we're going to go ahead and pay these southern countries to yeah. do it for us. We're going right? to offshore it. They, get a, they probably get a better rate of return on their money that she way. She was then asked, like, you know, how is this going to be done? Like, how are we going to pay for this? Like, are we going to move people? I don't know. You're going to have to ask them. You have to ask those countries. I don't know. I love they're, how they're she has that, that stance. I'm not, I'm not doing that. I don't know. On everything, it's like, well, there's another way. Yeah. Talk to, to this them. department, talk mm-hmm. to this part. You're going to have to talk to the representative of that country. Cause I don't know. <laughs> that's that's so good. Let's see. On the so 15th, glad you got it figured out. She was asked again, who was the point person on South America? In this order, she says, oh, well, Secretary Mayorkas is having like a big role in it. And uh, the Special Envoy Zuniga is having a big role in it. And, of course, you know, Kamala Harris is like in it for the big picture and she's there for the root causes and to try and talk to these countries about how they can help. She's you know the executive president in that doesn't that do anything. Order. Yep. In that order. Come on, dog. <laughs> That's like the most Freudian slip ever. Like, oh, it's, Mayorkas, on, Zuniga, and uh, Harris. Of course, you know, of course, Harris. Of course, like, she's there. Most fucking forgot to talk about Kamala Harris. Come on, dog. I Kay. can't wait till the next press secretary. It's going to be really interesting. The 14th. This is from Intercepted. Um, Intercepted Mm -hmm. did an episode, and they talked about starting in February, 
Border Patrol has been bringing immigrants and immigrant families to the closest, quote-unquote, the closest population hub instead of the biggest city. The closest town. That's where they're going, right? So this yep. particular article, this particular segment was done about Ajo uh, fucking New Mexico, I think. Um, oh, yeah, because fucking, oh, that was one of those states that we missed. That was New Mexico. Ajo. So Ajo. wherever Ajo is, I believe it's in South America, or I believe it's in New Mexico, um, where there that. is 30 A-H-O, Ajo. Arizona. Oh, maybe A A J O. That's what it is. Arizona. Okay, thirty seven hundred people there, right? Um, where Border Patrol has oh, been wow. sending people there with the wrong paperwork or no paperwork. Um, people have just been showing up without any reason. Families have been separated, right? Have been a separated. Nice giant mine there. Yep. Both on accident and on purpose. They're sending people. They're separating people and then sending them to different towns. So fucking. They said a, a grandma got sent there, completely separated from the family that she crossed the border with. They have no idea what's going on there. They have no idea what's going on, and they're being sent to these places, right? Um, That's so wild. To which the once they're sent there, it is then charities and nonprofit organizations that are not only paying for the COVID tests. They're paying oh, yeah. to house people. They're paying to quarantine them, and then they're sending them on to the next place, right? <sighs> well, yeah, because a lot of these people, once they get to the border and get through the system, are malnourished and dehydrated. Yeah, a lot of them are very sick because so because it's a long journey, bro. It's yes. a long journey from El Salvador all the way down here, all the way up here. Yes, you're not going to be in the best health. They also said that Title Forty Two has been used over a half a million times in the last year to deny people from coming into the United States. See, and this is Jeez. also on the 14th. This is from the White House press briefing. She was, was asked, uh, Kamala Harris going to Mexico City and to, Guata, and to Guatemala, but not to the border. Mm-hmm. Her response is, oh, she's tasked with the, with the leaders. You know, she's talking to the leaders. And, uh, you know, we're focusing on solutions and opening facilities and getting kids out, which we've seen some progress on. She really fucking said that, which we've seen some progress. We've on. seen some progress. So on that. good. So glad that we've seen some progress that we, it's up a hundred percent from February to March. We've seen some progress. You're not going to close a facility in which children are being fucking raped by other inhabitants there. Such good progress. So good. Such progress. So good. It's so awesome. I mean, it's kind of representative of the rest of the progressive points list. She was then asked, right? We just talked about all this stepping up of board security in the, in the Southern and the Northern triangle country. She was then asked about cash payments. The Northern Triangle countries, right? So, uh, well, you know, they stepped at their personnel in the Triangle borders to deter the journey and reduce the numbers getting to the border. Um, and there have been talks about the most impactful ways to help. So we're just sending money down there so that they can figure it the fuck out and we don't have to worry about it. We're just going to bankroll it because that's worked out so well for the United States all around the globe to just bankroll shit. That's, that's, the, uh... that's the way. Rich Daddy is just going to bankroll it. Just don't worry about it. Big Daddy America will open up. We'll fucking tap the keg one more time. Just yep. knock another one in there. Don't worry. Another trillion to the dead. It's no big problem. China's real happy about that shit. And this is what we just... I mean, this is progress. That's progress, Don. That's progress. On the 15th, Jen Psaki was then asked about reporters of migrant families self-separating. Right? Yep. This is in reference to families coming to the border... Them then sending their children alone to cross the border because they know that they will be taken by Border Patrol, oh. processed, and then sent to an HHS facility, and then sent to somewhere around the country, whether it be a charity, a family member, or whatever. If, mm-hmm. if the family's lucky enough to get in, then they'll, they'll receive their kid later. Yep. And oh. she says, uh, 
that is an unintended consequence of what's of of our choice to treat children you know humanely um the border is not open there is no plan to think the lone child strategy and treating kids humanely there's no no plan to rethink the lone child strategy or treating kids humanely when they cross the border that's quote unquote treating kids humanely when they cross the border by putting them in a facility in texas where they're likely to get raped Awesome. awesome so good so humane fucking so awesome and humane Love she it said it so right much. there unintended consequences the road to hell is paved by good intentions she's then asked the next day on the 16th um apparently the special envoy i believe zuniga testified in front of congress and he said oh actually there are no agreements with the northern triangle countries uh you know no written agreements in northern triangle countries nope. for any of this shit they're talking about at the border and jen Sack is like oh why don't i i'm not i don't know about like that quotation that. like oh actually i have it right here i can read it to you reads her the quote about the special envoy saying we do not have any written agreements jen Saki says um i actually never said that it was formal um <laughs> but they have they have committed to border security so i then told jordan that jordan is was in the room. progress jordan was in the room when she said that and i said so i decided that what makes or breaks a good press secretary is their memory you yes. need to remember exactly what you said when you said it and what the fuck you meant because and jen jackie can do that like oh actually two weeks ago nine days and seven hours ago i said this 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 shit fuck me you're right okay sean spicer couldn't do that he's saying stupid shit getting fucked up all the time sarah sanders was great at that she She was was. like that's not what i said this this is that's not what that person said so i mean i forget what it was that she fucked up on that had her replaced with mccanini yeah i don't remember yeah, it was one thing about, ooh, you missed it. You missed it. Now you're yeah. out. Sorry. Um, and the last thing I have here as far as border from the White House press secretary is she was then asked, does President Biden not want to raise the refugee cap like while the southern border crisis is going on? Like what's going on in that shit? Um, it's a factor. But also the processing system was trashed. Okay. And I have to pause there. Blame Trump. I am beyond sick. Of this being the caveat. Oh, well, Trump destroyed the system. He did this. The system was trashed. Okay, so even though we were actively processing refugees, albeit the lowest amount in many years, yes. right? Albeit that was happening. Prior to COVID, we were processing refugees. Yep. So you're telling me, even though it was happening, you don't have any way to do it at the same level. Because that's right now, it's the same level committed that it was during Trump. Yep. Even though that was happening, those systems still existed. You don't have any way to process those people. Through the same systems that already exist nope. and are actively functioning. You're telling me when Donald Trump said, shut down the refugees because of COVID. Also, go in there with sledgehammers. Destroy the fucking computers. Destroy the manuals on how to do this. Because I don't want anyone to know how to process these refugees. I want to destroy the system. It's trashed. It's done. That's what you expect us to believe? It doesn't exist anymore. No one knows how to process refugees oh. because Donald Trump said, don't do it oh anymore. Oh, my God. I'm crying. It's so like, hilarious. It's, it is oh. it's that, beyond insanity. That, that's just, also, the system was trashed. The system was trashed. Why not just say, we didn't know before, or we thought they were lying, but once we got in here, we realized there really is a certain cap on how many people we can effectively take care of in this country that aren't legally citizens of the country yep. there is a limit on what we can do as the government on our current there's a limit there's a cap on the amount 
of intake our current immigration and refugee system infrastructure can take. Like, that's not racist. No. That's not that's, racist to say that. That's reasonable. It's, it's realistic. And you might <laughs> get some public backing by saying, hey, this is an antiquated system that's been around for a long time. I want to, I want to shit as bad. I want to, I want to put down the last administration as much as possible on this thing. But at the end of the day, I am realizing now that we have a crystal clear. You you could even make it. You could still have it a fuck on you, Trump type of thing by saying, you know, if we would have had a a, a longer transition period, if we wouldn't have done that, we would have been able to see these things and yes. anticipate these problems. But we've been playing catch up. You can still shit you on could Trump do that and do this honestly. You could do it the yes. right way, but. No, and this is why we get the latest executive order on the Refugee Administration, courtesy ah. of Biden. As of, and this is what he, he was getting so much heat for this last night, because as of Friday, April 16th, the memorandum for this Secretary of State on the Emergency Presidential Determination on Refugee Administrations for Fiscal Year 2021, the current amount. We're just going to boil it down there. It's the same exact amount as the Trump administration had to play. It's 15,000, 7,000 from Africa, 1,000 from East Asia, 1,500 from Europe and Central Asia, 3,000 from Latin America and the Caribbean, 1,500 from Near East and South Asia, and 1,000 unallocated reserve. Racist! Which is still the lowest it's ever been, like you said before. It's still... But lower he, than Obama, lower than anything. But he kept it the same. Racist. After promising, uh, oh, what was the number that he promised before? It was like 62,500. He was going to raise it to 62,500. He promised that on the campaign trail. That's a big and difference. And now he's saying that it seems unlikely. That's a big difference. I have an article here from rescue.org that came from the International Rescue Committee from back in October 28, 2020, right? Yeah. Tears President Trump up left and right, up and down, for lowering it to its lowest level of 15,000 refugees for that year. Biden is carrying the same exact thing, which is exactly why people like Ilhan Omar and even Tom Cotton is jumping on this yeah. train saying this is not yeah. okay. He's putting his, and now he's starting to walk it back like they might, they're going to readdress it in a few months. Well, and, and it's interesting because part of the issue from the governmental perspective on processing people at the border is trying to decipher the claims, right? Yeah. Trying to decide whether or not they're legitimate claims to asylum. And yep. we have to figure this out. These are refugees. They're yes. actively, they are, they have legitimate claims to asylum. They're fucking refugees from countries at war for one reason or another. Yep. Their question of whether or not they need asylum is, is no longer. It doesn't exist. They're doesn't refugees. Exist. They don't have a home anymore. Yep. What's what's the holdup here? Like, what's, what's, the hold up? what's the fucking question here? I mean, you could, if you were smart about it, you could blame it on COVID, and the we you know the increased risk and the inability to test you know blah blah blah. You could make up something, but no, no, they don't. They don't. They'll just say you know it's it's this is where we're at. This is where we're going to keep it for now. Because this is where we're at. It's it's absolutely insane. I really, really, I didn't realize how much I relied on Twitter as my news aggregator until last night yeah. when I haven't been able to fucking use it. It's, it's driving me nuts. Because trying to just go through, like, the Google News app or something like that, like, I found myself having to, 
if I wanted to find a a particular topic that I knew wasn't friendly to the current administration, I I would literally have to go to DuckDuckGo to find these articles from back in 2020 or 2019 because they you can't find them on Google right now. You cannot find them because they are censoring all of that data, putting it all the way down on page fucking 10. You go to DuckDuckGo, you search it out, you put in a date, boom, it's right there at the top, right right there for you to pick. That's how I found that article. It's absolutely insane. All these people that were tearing Trump up left and right for lowering the cap down to 15,000, at least some of them now are coming out against Biden in that situation. It's bad, dude. It is real, real bad. Because, again, just like we've talked about many times, not a single conversation being had about trying to fix the structure of our immigration policy so that we can handle whatever kind of capacity we want. No, apparently they have introduced some type of, you know, immigration reform plan that they have put out. But, Mm. you know, they're they're obviously not riding it very hard, you know, so which you should. Because that's how you take the pressure off you as a politician. If you want to make the correct political move, you don't need to pretend like it's not happening. You need to redirect attention to the efforts of getting that problem fixed. Yeah. Not when people are asking, well, why haven't you fixed this? Well, you know what? This is what we've done. We've gone to the Congress and we're pushing through because we know that this this system is actually systemic. This is an actual systemic issue that we have here. You can ride that all night long. Progressives love that term, systemic failures. Ride that all day long and put the onus on Congress so then they have some pressure to act. But they won't do that because they're not going to be able to come up with a cohesive plan in any kind of relevant time frame well, to be able to make the to pull the pressure off them for midterms. Otherwise, they're going to lose the entire House when it comes midterm time because they've all been in power. They've held both the Senate and the House and the White House, right. and they continue to get nothing done well and as of now because the administration has been so dishonest about what it would take to see instrumental change in the in the immigration system congress on both sides is able to step back and say the executive is fucking up until they fix their deal we're not changing the system we're not going to fix it because they can't even handle what we have right now yep even though we know all the inside players know that like congress has to you know has to start that change but because of the way the Biden administration has played this, they can't even now start talking about, oh, well, we can't do anything yep. because of Flores, because of all this stuff. Like, it has to be Congress. Yep. They have to just keep writing out. That's why I get so tired. Humane, it's this, it's yeah. this. Like, we're doing the right thing. Trump is a piece of shit. Like, so I get so tired of hearing how much of a political, like, chess player Biden has always been. And <laughs> yeah. he's so good at getting things done. Yeah. It's like. No, he's not. He knows how the game he's works. terrible. He knows how the political game works. Yeah. He knows how to stay in power. That's what he knows how to do. He doesn't know how to get anything substantial done. I've worked with... You know, I don't I don't even want to go there. It's oh, just, oh, I forgot one. On the 12th, Axios was reporting at the border, and they were at the McAllen underpass facility. They said oh, hundreds yeah. of migrants, very young children, and they were trying to hold them for only eight hours before being sent to local charities. At the McKellen facility, they're being sent to local charities. Oh, that's where we're at. We've seen Alex Jones, if Alex Jones is to be believed, we saw him interfere with a, with a charity that was just fucking shoving kids in the back of a car, just taking yep. them somewhere. Trafking. No car seats, no fucking whatever, just taking them wherever. They were in the back, like the trunk of an SUV. Yes. Whatever with that is. No seatbelts, no car seats, nope. no anything. Just loaded them in, and he, he called them out. We saw the video. 
I don't. Something's gotta. Something's gonna have to give here real soon, man. Pressure's getting. Really, you can't. Really you can't high. continue like this, man. No. It's unsustainable. You got kids being raped at the border. Yeah. Like I. Under an executive branch, agency, that I don't. With no plans to do anything about it, no plans nope. to close the facility, no plans to it stop moving children there. We're just gonna yep. keep processing them. Just gonna keep running through. Hopefully, they're not too there too long to get raped too many times. You know, hopefully. Fuck. Like, it's messed up, man. It is so messed up. But yeah, it was nice to see that executive order come through, or what passes for an executive order now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So you, we'll see. It's so bad. We'll see what happens. So so bad. Till then, we'll keep you updated. We talk about these things pretty regularly on our Twitters, our social media. I'm at Salt of the Street on Twitter and at Alpaca underscore Donovan on Instagram. Colin is at Big Bird Alfie on both of those things. You can find all this on our saltofthestreets.com. We also have Instagram at Salt of the Streets. Our Facebook, fuck Facebook at Salt of the Streets. We have our YouTube at Salt of the Streets. Where you're watching this right now, if you're watching it, leave us a comment, a like, share it with your friends so they know where to find and get some good, honest information. If you're listening to this in a podcast form, leave us a rating and a review. If you screenshot the review and send it to me, I will give you $5 off of a t-shirt. If you can tell me where the closing line of this show came from, we'll give you a free t-shirt. I will deliver it to you, send it to you, whatever you want. Make sure if you are in Bremerton and you need a haircut, Go and see Swell Blended. You can find them on Instagram at Swell Blended. And if you need a skateboard, go down to Location Skate Shop. Jordan just went there to try and get me a sweatshirt. They are sold out of all sizes oh. except for small and extra large. Double extra large. So Ooh. it seems like it was a decent day down there at Location Skate mm-hmm. Shop. So I did ask her to drop off those stickers and stuff. So we'll see whether or not she actually did it. Fucking Jordan. Just she kidding. got this. Sure she got did. this. Yep. So, and if not, then I'll just go down there this week and I'll drop them off and I'll hopefully get a sweatshirt. So, hell yeah. I'd love to be able to wear one of those sweatshirts on the show. Um, Paul said that he's working on some gear too. So, we'll get some gear from Paul. Larry, if you're still listening, give me your fucking address so that I can send you some shirts so that you can send me some shirts. Jordan has hit him up several times. I've been like, hey, what's your address? I can do this. And he's like, focus on your business stuff. (laughs) (laughs) I love Larry. Said they do have the business cards. There you go. So you can go down to Location Skate Shop. They do have the business cards. They got the stickers. They got all the stuff. So <laughs> look at you. Yeah. She's like, nah, uh motherfucker. That's I am honest. <laughs> like, I fucking did it. Don't you Don't try you and slander me because you think I'm not listening. No. So that's awesome. Ye of little faith. Great store. Location Skate Shop is sick. Glad to hear it. What an awesome location, too, man. I just yes, can't get over that's that. A that is a great spot, spot, dude. When I did skateboard, I used to go down to the waterfront and skateboard all the time down by the ferry just because the sidewalks and everything are so nice. Yeah, it's, it's a nice just, spot. It's just nice down there. Yeah, because yeah, there's lots most of other that area of Bremerton sucks. Yes. That yeah. place. Their roads are terrible. Shoot. Yeah. No, I'm a big fan. I think that that's a great thing. All right. So we are sitting about, about three hours right now. Okay. So I'm thinking... I feel like I w- if I had a vote, I would want to talk more about the troop pullout from Afghanistan than the Russian fuckery right now. Okay. If I had to pick between the two. I think that we can do that. Okay. I think so it was as on... a preface, yes. we should just quickly touch on the Trump administration's negotiations, controversial negotiations, I will add, with the Taliban. Yes. Towards the closing end of his his administration's time in power, where I have they to go pee. Yeah, you talk okay, about where they established a terms a a treaty, if you will, with the Taliban that troop U.S. troops would be withdrawn by May first. 
It's a promise that was made, and ideally it was a promise that was going to be kept. We were very excited about it at the time because, you know, our stance on, you know, our wars in the Middle East that have never ended and so on and so forth is pretty cut and dry. We understand that there are definite fallout to deal with upon a U.S. troop pullout because, I mean, you do it the wrong way, you do it the right way. There's always implications because we've been there for 20 years come September. There is always going to be a problem. One of the main problems is militaries in these particular countries don't exactly work like ours do. They're not as regimented, if you will. They're not as westernized is probably the best way to say it. And I think calling into question the legitimacy and the true power and control that these country's government actually has uh, on their populace, you know, is something that needs to be brought in as well. Realistically, when you look at particularly Afghanistan, you, you basically have two camps, right? You have the, the government camp and the various tribes that side with the current pr presidential governmental system that is in place over there. There is a president of, of Afghanistan that does have a particular amount of power. But then you also have the Taliban, who essentially are a governing body in themselves that a multiplicity of tribes in Afghanistan hold their allegiance to the Taliban governance versus what we'd think of as the state governance. So the idea being that we had an agreement with the Taliban to have all U.S. troops out of Afghanistan by May 1st was in play, and they were particular, there were particular, I don't want to say benchmarks, but uh, um, there was guidelines and things that were happening there were like, okay, well, you know, we can't have any more specific attacks during this time period. We're gonna, conditions. Uh, conditions, thank you. We're going to agree to these things, and <clears throat> if, we, if everybody holds up and we're all good, then we'll be out by May 1st. Well, news flash, everybody. I saw the headlines coming through last week. Yeah. Super jazz. <clears throat> the Biden administration has done it. The Biden-Harris administration has done it. By September 11th, 2021, our troops will be out of Afghanistan. And there was celebration throughout the land yeah. until a few people realized, wait a minute, that is well past the deadline that is already in place. So now the rhetoric has changed so that the troop withdrawal will start on May 1st and will conclude September 11th, 2021. And before we get into the nitty-gritty details about this, I just want to say... Why in the hell would anybody <laughs> in their right mind choose the date of September 11th, the 20-year anniversary of the attack on the Twin Towers and the Pentagon and that plane that went down in Pennsylvania? Why is that the day you choose to pick your your pullout of the troops? Right. That, yeah. for one, is morbid to me. I understand that you could probably kind of twist it in a way and be like, all right, well, it's 20 years, and now we're out. Yay. It's bad. It's really, really bad. It, you shouldn't have that date as some kind of celebratory date in the future. That is a terrible, terrible optical decision. I don't know who in their right mind came up with it, but it's bad. It's very, very bad. You know, tradition. <sighs> yeah, tradition. So, so this, anyways. This comes on the heels of we've been talking about this for a couple of weeks because the administration has been getting questions as it approached April and then May, what they were going to do. Are we going to make the deadline? On the 5th, they were asked if they were leaving Afghanistan in May, and they said, it's, again, it's going to be tough. You know, it's going to take time to make the right yeah. decision. 
Um, so tough. And then <laughs> to decide to stop a war. It's so hard. Um, let's see. I might have a little bit more in here. Oh, yeah, because as soon as the the updated date, the delayed date came out and everybody was celebrating, you had the standard – I don't even want to say neocons anymore because they're not. It's just the Warhawks from um, both parties come out and be like, well, this is a really bad idea. Lindsey Graham obviously was the first one to be like, well, this is a terrible decision. And Mitch McConnell said yep. the U.S. is turning tail and running from Afghanistan. Um, we have spent 30, 20 years and billions of dollars <laughs> in Afghanistan Stacks. to characterize it as turning tail and running away, I think, is not a very yeah. – uh, How much blood and treasure has been expended – uh, to which, to Jen which Saki, end, I might add. To what, to what end? To which Jen Psaki responded that the Biden administration felt there was no military solution to the war in Afghanistan. Um, which I would probably somewhat agree with. Yeah. Um, uh, she was then asked about, what about, and this has been a big thing from the, Dem- from the Democrats who are now in favor of staying, right? What about the women and children? What about all the rights? What about the human rights? What about the minorities in Afghanistan? Um and she said, you know, the U.S. are supporters of women and children around, women and girls around the globe. Like, we're this, we're this, we're this. Mm-hmm. To, to which my question would be, right, if we are so concerned about women's rights, children's rights, children's rights around the globe, why are we actively involved with arms deals with the Saudis, with pretty much anybody in the Middle East? Uh, I don't know, China that we're talking about all the time. If we're so concerned about women and children and human rights abuses why why are we doing all of these things with all of the other people we're not even willing to slap mbs on the hand for having a journalist murdered who disagreed with his opinion mm-hmm. and yet we're going to talk about how we, we lived support, in america at the time talking about we support huh. the rights of women and children around the globe yes sounds good so good sounds good so we're going to see how this turns out but essentially, that's the nitty gritty of it. We, they've got it. They've had a delayed date now to September 11th. Um, troopers are all supposed to start on May 1st. Yeah, that AB, being said, ABC also. What about the women and children? Um, <laughs> what about yeah? The women what and about children? the women? Um, and then they talked about the contractors. Who knows about the contractors? The contractors. What's happen with the contractors? Because yeah, because we're talking about just the active duty military presence. Security contractors. There are technology contractors. There are private contractors from many different departments that are in the Middle East right now for many, many, many different reasons. Many reasons. Um, they said that the Taliban was unlikely to attack again, which is you know in in a, in the scope of like a nine eleven. Like they're unlikely to to carry out another terrorist attack. Which really, if I heard the government say that and I was the Taliban, I'd be like. Let's go, bitch. We're going now. It's unlikely. Let's fucking go then. Let's go. Because that's what you do is you tell your enemies exactly what you don't expect them to do. So good. Let's see. On the 14th, um, Jen Psaki was asked, what about a plan to ensure the Taliban doesn't come back? Um, And is there potential that Joe Biden changed his mind? said, well, we will be monitoring and disrupting activity in the area, uh, which... If you're disrupting activity in the area, then you definitely still have assets on the ground there. Mm-hmm. Um, they said they're going to be doing it with NATO and that mm-hmm. Joe Biden would not be changing his mind. So regardless of what happens, we're leaving on September 11th. doesn't matter. Everybody out by September 11th. I'll put money um, on that when I see it. Yeah. And so they then some, she asked, so are special operations and special forces included in leading Afghanistan and like leaving Afghanistan? 
I'm not going to, you know, preview any type of details or anything like that. Like, this, just... So, we're going to take out the regular guys. We're going to take out the grunts and the boots. We're going to just replace them with special forces. Have some more on that in just a little bit. Um, let's see. She was then asked, what incentive does the Taliban have to make a deal with you and not just wait until America is gone and continue with whatever they want? Shit you not. This is what she says. We trust the Taliban won't let Afghanistan become a, a pariah state. That is a ridiculous thing to say. Yes. We trust that the Taliban gives a shit about being involved in the global community at all. Because they seem to have given us so much indication that they really care about their global standing for over the last 20 years. They care so much. Let's put it this way. The Taliban, and I, I was previewing this as you were gone, but the Taliban essentially is a governing body. They, they are a... <laughs> A at this point religiously yes. fundamental governing body and with a very they, active military force yes, because <laughs> part of the reason we are in afghanistan is to maintain the legitimacy of their current quote-unquote democratically elected government that is part of the reason why we are there is to assist in the taliban or assist the afghani government in not allowing the taliban government to come in and overthrow the currently democratically elected government right? yeah that is that is why we are we entered into negotiations with the taliban our original mission from going there was to find and kill osama bin laden right yes we been there done that came saw he died whatever you know and that's jen Psaki continues to continues to reference that well the original goal you know of our of our oh. surge there was to make sure that, you know, we could limit the Taliban. And we feel that we've accomplished this goal. You're pulling the George Bush mission accomplished without yep. the fucking flag. That's all that you're doing. You're saying we accomplished the original intent that we're there. Even yep. though I'm now telling you, in the, again, in the same breath, that the whole war is different now. We can't look at this through a, through a 2000 view. You know, we have to look at it through a 2021 view. Because it's about unifying but, the government. But... We accomplished that original goal in 2000. Yep. But we can't look at it through that prism anymore because that's not how the war is anymore. But we accomplished that original goal. So that's like the same thing, right? It's like the same thing. It's, it's like not the a big same deal. thing. What I am mostly afraid of at this point, right? And I can just see it happening. So, I mean, I, I just, if I was going to, I'll be very surprised if it doesn't happen, right? Yeah. May 1st comes along. The troop withdrawal begins, and the Taliban, as is their right because of the treaty that was signed, say, okay, all bets are off. The treaty is null and void. You still have your troops here. Game back Let's on. Let's go, bitch. And then we are – then it's, okay, September 11th goes by. It's gone. We're, we're, we're there. We'll have more troops on the ground. We'll be continuing this ridiculous nonsense for another generation or two. This is the – this is the forever war. I mean, there's a reason we call it that because everyone, yeah. both sides of the aisle, is refusing to even enter into a conversation about leaving. Well, and the White House hasn't even committed to putting in place a an ambassador to Afghanistan before mm -hmm. they leave. Like yep. they're they can't even say that they're going to do that. You know, which just shows that if that doesn't show your disingenuous intentions from the get go, I don't know what does. 
Um, and this is the last thing I think I have as far as press briefings go. Someone, I wish I wrote down who it was, um, was quoted as saying there was a significant chance that the Taliban fills the vacuum in Afghanistan. Yep. And so she was asked to respond to that. And she said, um, we believe that it can be, quote unquote, kept to a level that can be managed without the consistent footprint of us being there. Nation building is fun to watch. Yep. That's all we're talking about. Go so, ahead. we talked about the contractors, right? Yes. We have talked many, many times before about security contractors, military contractors. Um, there are a high level, no one could tell you exactly how many contractors there are oh, yeah. in Afghanistan, in Iraq, apparently in Somalia, in all kinds of different places around the globe. So, I happen to know somebody who is actively a security contractor in Afghanistan. Ooh. Happened to know somebody. Security contractor. Just so happened to be. Interesting. Used to be active duty, did a tour in Iraq, and is now a security contractor in Afghanistan. Interesting. I wonder what makes somebody go into that after their time in service. Something he that had, happened he when had they were just there. just got out, and they were like, mm. hey, we'll uh, give you this. Remember that we know that you just pittance? did a tour in Iraq. Yep. Remember that we know pittance that. that the government used to pay you? Well, how about this number? Yeah. He's, oh, word. He's younger than me uh, by like two years, I think. So, interesting. Got out of high school, Gotta joined the military, money. went into the army, did a tour, fucked up his back, and is now. So, I'm sure they were oh, also wow. like, also, yeah. that back of yours, we'll fucking fix it for we'll you. It fixed up. Yeah, I mean, he's got to be good now because he's fucking out there lifting weights and shit in the desert. Uh-huh. They were doing informal weightlifting competitions <laughs> on the base. <laughs> yeah. Of course. So. So this person that I know here, um, I obviously was the person I thought of them when this was announced. It was mm-hmm. like, okay, well, I know somebody on the ground there. Yeah. And this person's a contractor. There's no guarantees about contractors. I'm very curious as to if they've received guidance of like, hey, we're going to be gone by September. Like, this is what we're doing here. Um, so I asked, obviously, originally uh, about, like, about if they had received any guidance um, and said... It's always been said um, that the security contractors are going to be the last ones out, right? Mm-hmm. And so typically it goes the military and then the support contractors, which are like the technology people, you know, you know this, but yeah. for them. Um, so the people that are there to do the internet, I mean, all, all those things. Yep. You, you have to get to, the infrastructure set up. You have ready. to get American people to go and do American internet so that you can run military shit on it. That's yeah. how it has to go. It has to <laughs> be a closed sense. system. It's got like, so we have American contractors that we send to the Middle East to establish infrastructure that the military can't build itself. And they stay there to maintain that infrastructure until they're gone. Or somebody is there under that contract to maintain that infrastructure while they're gone, right? Famously, one of the people that was killed in the attack of 13 hours, right, yep. was somebody who was there to do the internet. That was one of the people that was died there. He was just a contractor, just a technologies contractor, yep. just there to set up the internet. That's what he was there for when he died. Interesting. So, Dang. so it goes... The military and then support contractors and then the security contractors, right? The military is the only people that, as of now, are supposed to be out by September 11th. Yep. Right? Um, and I would have to try to find that treaty, but I would imagine that's the only thing that is stated in the treaty because the U.S. government doesn't really have any actual power over private yes. contractors there unless they have government contracts. Yes. For security reasons, I don't know where this person is deployed to right now. I don't know that. It's a healthy um, thing. <laughs> yes. They did say that right now it was all rumors uh, if they were leaving Afghanistan soon, but they did hear that one of the main posts around them was being shut down within two weeks. Right? 
to shut down a military outpost is not an easy thing, right? Yep. We then start to talk about um, like how long it will take. You know, so, so you so you're saying that you sound like it's going to take longer than September 11th to really get out all, like all of the Americans. You yeah. know, military might be out by September 11th. There's going to be a lot more Americans there. Support contractors, security contractors said 100%. It'll take longer. Because the way that I'm thinking, I've never talked about it, like higher-ups or anything like that. But um, with knowledge and logistics, if they want every soldier, marine, airman, sailor out of Afghanistan, and you're, you're really talking about the Middle East, you're talking about years. The amount of infrastructure that is there, the amount of vehicles that are there, the amount of, like I said, infrastructure, oh, yeah. aircraft, ships that are over there, um, Buildings, equipment, vehicles, aircraft, classified and non-classified documents, hard drives, whatever they want. Um, they want Americans through the gun. It's going to take longer than 9-11. Oh, yeah. um, and not that it's impossible, but if you truly are going to get everyone out by 9-11, it's going to be a 24-7 overhaul. Everybody going all hours of the day to pack things up, burn things, destroy things, secure things so they can get the fuck out of there. Man, you would have to muster a force of just extraction vehicles. A size of which you could not send because you would trigger, say, like Iran into saying that you were about to set up an invasion. Yes. It would be that big. So this person had been there for a couple of months and there's really like with that. this particular company, their contract runs out like halfway through the deployment there. Okay. So now there's discussion of, well, are we going to renew the contract for uh, just until December or whatever, even yeah. though that's, you know, or like, or for through the end of the year. And so there's discussion of whether or not they're going to renew the contract and keep people there, or they're going to just be done with it and pull everybody out yeah. before the military even leaves. Um, and so Ooh. with that, right, then you're talking about if the contract is extended, yep. there's going to be less and less military, there's going to be less and less security and support personnel required. In which you're talking about a bare bones force inside of a military outpost with limited military support. You are asking for problem. the death of Americans. That you're is a asking problem. Asking after you have violated your peace agreement with the Taliban and said we're just going to do what we want. You yep. are asking for the death of Americans, which is an excuse that they are waiting on on bated breath to go back in to go back in or build up. That none of this. None of this makes any sense. And because there's such limited guidance with the federal government, oh, yeah. there's even more limited guidance with these private companies that are there because they don't know what the fuck they're going to have to do. Nope. They're having, all of this comes out of their pocket. It's all because they're a private company. So they're having to pay for everything. It's not just an endless bankroll that comes yep. out of the taxpayers' pockets. Which they is have not, to think about yeah. bottom lines, what makes sense, what's going to actually make them money, the number of people you have to have there to make sense, to get the job done, to still make money. Yep, because you know? that is... I mean, it's all in the contracts. You only get so much. Otherwise, you have to renegotiate your contract. Even if you're going to cut your contract short, you have to renegotiate how that's going to work so that you make so that the government doesn't end up having to pay you out for the whole contract. Right. If you got, you know, if you got like another year left on that contract, then they're going to have to going to keep paying. Yeah. You're either going to keep paying and just or just null and void the contract and pay them out. And at the point when we're talking about getting the infrastructure out, the equipment, the cars, all this stuff, right? Yeah, because you can't just leave that. Right. So that's what I was going to say. In Vietnam, right, when we were leaving Vietnam, we ended up wanting to leave so fast, we just left things. We yeah. just left fields full of Jeeps, full uh, like in there's oh, famously, yeah. you know, there's images of them shoving a helicopter off of a boat when they're trying to leave all kinds of the shit because they're just 
trying to leave, just trying to get the fuck out, yep. right? So, jeez. But you're also talking about, especially now, millions of dollars of waste if you leave that equipment there. Billions. And there were there were years, like close to a decade, when we. And you also don't want the Taliban to get this shit. Yeah. Right. There were years where, where like a decade almost, where soldiers were dragging destroyed MRAPs and Humvees back miles and miles and miles, towing them back to base so the Taliban wouldn't get them. Yep. You know. Having their people dying to guard destroyed vehicles so they could be towed out yep. so that the Taliban didn't fucking get them, you yep. know? So you're talking about, I can't, I can't imagine a world in which the federal government leaves any of that shit there with, the, with how adamant they've been about not wanting the Taliban to get their infrastructure yep. now, you know? And so there's no way. There is no way the entirety of the armed forces are getting out no. by, by September 11th. There's no way. So then on a, in a political sense... What we're dealing with here is essentially a debate and switch. Yes, we're gonna we're gonna go ahead and say all the right things to get the support from the American people, blah blah blah, and then there's gonna be an egregious attack because we broke the the peace treaty, which is gonna allow us to stay there, and then we don't have to deal with these there, pesky people trying to say we gotta leave the Middle East. We there have already the been reports of the Taliban mounting up a large force for an attack in the coming weeks. Of course, that because there's already been reports of that. May first is coming. And the minute we don't meet the May 1st deadline, that treaty is null and void and we're done. And then we're just there. So we don't actually have to move all that stuff out. So they don't actually have to plan on it. Yeah. So this person, I asked them. Oh, that's depressing. If um, they thought that it was, let's see. Oh. If they thought that it was the right time to leave um, or if they thought there was more for America to do. They said they did think that it was the right time to leave, if nothing else, for the fact that they're government and their army has become so dependent on the u.s military mm -hmm. that at this point there's no hopes of them accomplishing the original goal of of being there yeah um there is an insane amount of crime and theft um their commanders down to everyday soldiers the only guys that take their job seriously and still believe the taliban and the is and the isis are still around to the commandos um and so the special forces are the only people in that country that yeah. are taking it any type of seriously the regular afghan defense force all that shit they just don't give a fuck the people who are running the country are way more interested in padding their bank accounts in yep. saudi arabia than they are in fixing anything here because america will just continue to fill their pockets with dollars yeah um and Ugh. this particular person that I was talking to, like I said, was was in Iraq, um, and they were talking about just how much more intense the fighting was in Iraq than it is in Afghanistan. And and I just found that it took me a long time to reply to him because I was trying to like I just was thinking a lot, mm -hmm. you know. And That's I a just lot to and I find it very interesting that you have someone who is telling me that when they were in Iraq, there were special forces people being killed because the fighting was so much more intense, and no one is talking about Iraq. Yeah. No one is discussing Iraq, right? And for a minute, I was trying to, like, parse with, like, well, then why are we Afghanistan? Like, all this stuff. And so it makes sense that if people aren't dying in Afghanistan, then you're going to want to take people out there. But if it is happening in Iraq, and there's obviously a fucking problem there, then why are we not talking about it? You know what I'm saying? It, it's it's I'm hard-pressed to believe in my mind that it's just the 20 years that the media cares so much about. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, uh, that seems weird. Because we got people all over the globe who don't give a shit. Yeah. You know, you don't give a fuck. So... It's because we haven't gotten to the point yet where it's it's the status of South Korea. We haven't gotten to the point where we just are a permanent military presence consistently running small-time operations and having that just be another international base at which an active-duty soldier will be stationed. Just even, like in Germany. Even though... And all of it. Even though when Barack Obama was in office, 
our war in Iraq was over. Yep. We pulled all the troops out. For some reason, we have the exact... So there's 2,500 troops in Afghanistan, 2,500 troops in Iraq. Fighting is more severe in Iraq. More people are dying in Iraq. No one is talking about it. It just seems very well, weird. You yeah, know? Yeah, it's because the, the whole thing is just, just Afghanistan. Sense. It just doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Well, because the Iraqi thing is... We've already came... We've already gone past the point where it made sense because what did we invade Iraq for? Weapons of mass destruction, Saddam Hussein. Yeah. That was done a long time ago, right? We're, we've been done with that for a while, so it just we just move on. And the Afghanistan situation has been there since September 11th and beyond. But, you know, there's, there's really nothing they can hang their hat on to why we're there anymore other than just, uh, you know, fighting off the Taliban from, you know, usurping governmental power and it becoming a state run by the Taliban. I just, it doesn't make sense anymore. Unless, of course, you subscribe to the world police syndrome, which I think everybody at in Congress anyways does. The ones that fight for us to stay. And I go, well, why are we there? Well, because, the, you know, the, it's dangerous. You know, we got we to gotta protect the women and children. Yeah, what about the women? What about the what women about the and women's children? Women's rights. <laughs> Yeah. But the the severe advances in women's rights that we've seen. How about L- LGBTQ rights? How's that going over there? Yeah. Not so great. Yeah. So that, that'll be, you know, for a minute, at least when Trump was in office for a minute, I had hopes that we would be out at some point. You know, if Trump would have got a second term, I I could have seen it happen. Yeah. I could have seen it as a real possibility. But I'm concerned now that. It's just going to be a reignition of the pullout's going to be done so sloppy, you know. There ain't going to be no pullout. Yeah, there ain't going to be a pullout, bro. If I had to put my money on it, it's not happening. They're going to find an excuse because they've already broke. They're already they've stated internationally that we are going to renege on the treaty. I don't know why there's not fighting right now. But if the if the Taliban were quote unquote smart. They would wait till after May 1st and then do it. But it, it ends the same way. We'll put it that way. With probably more troops on the ground long term. Yeah. I don't. That's no good. It's no good. At this point, I'm just. Let's just call it the American Empire. Let's just annex all these places like Russia does with Ukraine. Just and, live up to. Uh, and then know. we'll just make sure that uh, in those governments, the. the there is at least a 60-40 majority of, you know, ethnically Afghani people yeah. that run their government, and then the rest can be whoever the hell in, in the go. rest of the American empire. It's the only way for it to stop, because that's that's what is happening just without coming right out and saying it. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're establishing bases in foreign countries just like we've done with every single We'll just be like we've we'll just ever be dealt like with since World War II. We'll just be like Rome. You can worship whoever you want. You can do whatever you want. Just you're a Roman rules. city, though. That's yep. all. Mm-hmm. You're an American city. Do whatever you want. Just we don't care. Taxes. You're part of America now. That's right. America. You get blue jeans and DVDs. Blue jeans <laughs> and DVDs. VHSs, bitch. We got a lot of them. Don't know what to do with them. Don't know what to do with them. Here you go. <laughs> Jesus Christ. So, yeah, we'll end on a high note. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, so that's. I didn't. I wasn't as nihilistic about that until we started talking about it, and then I'm like, yeah, no, there's this ain't happening. The period. security contractor thing was big for me. It was really, really big for me, especially it's just a telltale sign. With especially with with uh, 
Austin, whatever his name is, uh, his last name is Austin, the Secretary of Defense being part of Raytheon, you know, like you, yeah. have, you have the security companies moving closer and closer and closer to the White House, you know. We have had for years security companies talking about – Lloyd Austin, that's his name. Lloyd Austin. Talking about – third, apparently. Privatizing the war in Afghanistan, you know, through different various security contractors. So I – I am increasingly concerned that that's exactly what we're looking at. Not only because I don't believe we should have private companies acting on parts of the military, um, but it doesn't. We want to defund the police, bro. We want to defund the police and we're going to be okay with having privately funded and operated wars overseas. That seems so, so American awesome. in 2021, though. It's so, so awesome. it would it would make so much sense. God, this place! What is going on? It's awesome. I'm a, I'm quickly becoming an accelerationist. The what that is? is that? That means the the end of the nation as we know it is nigh. Oh. And we just need to hurry up and get there <laughs> because I'm nigh. tired of watching this slow death. It's becoming unbearable to watch the country slowly ripping itself apart. But anyways, I also have a Michael Malice theory about the white pill. You know about his his white pill, black pill? I feel like it's I've a lot of pills. heard that. The orange pill. Remember that? I was trying to <laughs> yes. think about that yeah, one. That one was already taken. Um, yeah, Michael Malice got a theory about, you know, he, he wants to white pill people, which is like more or less fill you with hope. But the caveat being... You got to kind of subscribe to his method of anarchism for it to be a good thing that this is happening. Because the more the country falls apart, the more anarchist, anarchistic, 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 the the nation will become. We we will have some kind of weird loose coalition of states, blah blah blah. But then everybody will be much more, you know, free. And so you should be happy about that. And that's the white pill. You know, I actually saw just the other day that um, someone talking about, it was like a meme, you know, about from one of those libertarian accounts that I follow that somebody was talking about how, you know, my parents always shit on me for like talking about wanting to be an anarchist. And he said, tell your parents that anarchy is a happier lifestyle than we're living right now. <laughs> like, yeah. That cuts so deep. It does. <laughs> it cuts so deep. It ain't wrong. It definitely ain't wrong. Not in my eyes. Oh, yeah, good times, good times. All bad news. <laughs> all bad news. Welcome to Salt the Streets. All bad news all the time, baby. All bad news all the time. This is why you got to tune in for the pre-show, because generally speaking, it's a little lighter and, and more fluffy. A little bit. We could talk about movies and music and pop culture stuff and, you know, lighter fun topics, small topics, not these big, heavy discussions that we do here on the full show. And it's also... Available on YouTube. It's it's also live, just like this show is. So you can come jump in. You could, if you vehemently agree with something we're saying, you could tell us in the chat, and then we'll have a nice little conversation right there. Yes, it's a fantastic. I love technology. Now that I'm starting to learn more about how to use it, <laughs> I tried my hand at 3D animation. I'm working on a. Uh, you know how I just like to put it in this kind of perspective, right? You know when you watch Crowder, they have like that, you know, show starting soon thing, and then it ticks yeah. down, right? And then it goes into the opening, and there's all this animation and all this. I want to be able to do that. So, and I know I can do that on my editing program and all this because it's it's super powerful. I just okay, don't know how to use how. it. I tried that 
last week, and it was just like, I definitely need to get a degree in from YouTube <laughs> University in this first before I can attempt this, because right now it's just that frustrating. Makes <laughs> that makes sense. But yeah, that's something I think we be a fun little side project to do is to to you know actually shoot and produce a, <coughs> a legitimate opening trailer we could run yeah right before we go live let me ask be you fun. did you end up coming up with a hill to die on last night no okay cool me either i did not thank god <laughs> thank god, <laughs> thank god. <laughs> everything we talk about today is definitely a hill to die on yeah like here here's a little little fake one my hill to die on this week is Keeping an, a Hawkeye on Russia as there are all indications point to them about being able to, u about being ready to pull the trigger on invasion of Ukraine. Oh that. my gosh, he's skateboarding. Oh, that is the coolest thing. Oh yeah. Oh look, he's all in. Do it. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. Dude, he's got some dope shorts, by the way. Yeah, he's rocking it. Shorts. It's like a neon green thing. That is killer. And if That's you awesome. want to see that adorable video, did you just post that on our I story? Am, I'm doing it right now. Then you'll be able to follow us on our Salt of the Streets Instagram at Salt of the Streets. Um, you can follow Donovan and I on our personal social media. He is at Alpaca underscore on Instagram and Salt of the Street on Twitter. I am at Big Bird Offy on both those things. And until I get my account back from Twitter, I'm usually very active on Twitter. Yes. And um, our Facebook, at Salt of Streets, fuck Facebook. And all, obviously, you're watching this on YouTube, so you can find anything that we do there. There's even little extra videos, like when Don does an impromptu, impassioned Instagram live stream. I will rip that shit off the internet real yes. quick and throw it right back up on our YouTube. Like we did um, earlier this week. I addressed something that Joe Biden said about no amendment being absolute, um, in which I will just remind you guys that no piece of paper provides you your rights. Our Constitution does only one thing, and that is tell the government what they cannot infringe upon. All it does is tell you that your rights are inalienable and inherent within you. Um, that is all. No, no government, no piece of paper can tell you what you can and cannot do with yourself or the best way for you to defend yourself or your freedoms. That video is called Dom's Live Streams, Your Rights, and it is 9 minutes and 31 seconds long. Here it's a go. real short clip. Get on there, watch it. I You'll be a better it. person for it. Just shared it to my Twitter earlier today. It is on our Instagram for when it was originally loaded. So you can go there. It's on our IGTV page. All of that. Boom. I don't think there's anything else that I want to hit. Do you, you watch um, any good movies this week? See Anything that I just reaches out. I started watching Impractical Jokers because it is on HBO Max. Max. Nice. Um, I HBO watched. Max is pretty solid. HBO Max is pretty legit. I'm, I'm a yeah. solid. Pr I'm about ready to drop Netflix. Watched, just because I don't ever watch anything on Netflix anymore. Continue watching. Let's see what I watched. I watched Ted. This week. Ted. Watched Ted. Great Strong. film on HBO. On HBO Max. Yep, I almost did there too. Uh, yep. <laughs> I watched the movie Argo. Argo. I watched Argo with Ben Affleck. Yeah, um, I heard that's good. I haven't watched it. Fucking great. I've heard it's, it was a yeah. great movie. Um, the it is about the Iranian hostage crisis during the, the Carter administration, I believe, it was during the seventies. Yeah, and Ben Affleck plays a CIA contractor. I believe he's a contractor, or maybe he's still, you know, he used to work for the CIA at the time. Um, and he's just he's like an Exville expert, and so he devises this enormous cover story of a movie production. 
so that, that he can sneak into Iran and pull these people out that the Iran government didn't know had escaped from the embassy at the time. There was like six people that escaped from the embassy and were hiding in a Canadian ambassador's private residence. And wow. yes. And so was he successful? Yes. Yikes. Yep. So Ben Affleck was able to devise this cover story of them shooting a science fiction movie. Mm -hmm. And so they're doing um, like uh, location scouting. That's why I said oh. they were there. So to, you know, different desert scenes and stuff like so that. Once so once again, Ben Affleck saves the world. Once again. Once again. Also, what, Chasing, Chasing Amy again last week? Oh, I haven't love seen that in so long. Chasing Amy. It's oh, Smith movie, right? Yes. Yep. One of the original yes. Eminem awesome ones. The great thing about Chasing Amy is that if you're obsessed with Kevin Smith like I am, then you know that loaded he... Loaded with Easter eggs? It's loaded with Easter eggs, but he also made that movie as a way to deal with his own personal trauma. Oh, wow. And so there is a, a scene in this movie, the diner scene, in which Ben Affleck just finds out that his girlfriend is bi, and she's, like, done all this crazy stuff with girls, and he feels really self-conscious and doesn't know what to do himself and, like, shamed her a little bit, and he's meeting up with Jay and Silent Bob to give them money because of their likeness rights in the comic books. That's neither here nor there. And when they're there, Silent Bob speaks up for, I think, the first time in the series. I think that's the first time that he talks. And he tells, he has a monologue that's, I mean, beautifully written. Beautifully written, beautifully delivered, partially because Kevin Smith wrote it and then delivers it. Yeah. Um, but the monologue is a true story about Kevin Smith breaking up with a girl because he was intimidated by her sexual history. And that's what this whole movie is about. Wow. And so the monologue that he delivers is the whole reason they made the movie. And it was just a way for him to process his feelings. Amazing. That dude is such an inspiration. Amazing. Man. On a yeah. creative level, on a personal level, the guy is just... I'm I'm dumbfounded every time I, I learn something more about him. Like you can't wonder, be more awesome, and then he continues to get more awesome. How do I wonder if we can play that? Just his monologue. You know what I'm saying? You know what? I don't think we're big enough at this point that we'd get kicked off for Silent doing it. Bob monologue chasing Amy. Because it's worth it. It's worth four it, I minutes. I'll, I mean, I'll end the show on four minutes of chasing Amy if you're cool with it. I don't. We know could how, do you that. Know. We don't want to deprive people of a T-shirt, but no, no, certainly. I'll, I'll, I'll do the ending line now, and then we'll watch the four minutes of it, and then we'll cut the show. Okay, how does that sound? Prepped. We'll get it queued up. So what we're gonna do here? <laughs> yeah, this is so funny that we're doing this. So we against. Are... The... Oh, you know what though? YouTube just in. They have a new system before you upload a video. That goes oh, through a yes, a verification process. Oh, jeez! That looks for copyright material. Oh, jeez! So we could do it. We might get pulled down. We might lose the entire stream. Oh, so I don't want to take that chance because our, our. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't want to do it. No, that's fine. Okay. So anyway, just YouTube it. Yes. Chasing Amy, Silent Bob speech. There's like four different versions of it. It's so good. I'm going to watch it after this because I'm feeling we're passionate. Gonna, we're going to watch it together. Okay. With that, I want to remind everyone, everybody one last time. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you deeply. If you're watching us on our YouTube at Salt of the Streets, leave us a comment. Uh, like it. Share with all your friends so they know where to go to find unbiased information. If you are watching us afterwards, same thing. Comment, like it, share it. Um, 
If you are listening to it in a podcast form, leave us a rating and a review. And if you screenshot the rating and send it, we'll give you $5 off a t-shirt. If you can recognize this closing line that I'm about to deliver, I'll send you a free t-shirt if you're the first person to do it. If you can tell me where it came from, you can find all of these things on our website at saltofstreets.com. We have our own personal social media. I am at Salt of the Streets on Twitter and then alpaca underscore Donovan on Instagram. Colin is at Big Bird Off. On both those things, we have our Instagram at Salt of the Streets, YouTube Salt of the Streets, Facebook at Salt of the Streets. Salt of the Street commentary said that. That's it. With that, Colin, are you ready? I think. I hope. I could choke the life out of you and never change a shade. That's dark. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Bye.